For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What's the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. For every Tuesday night, we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Tonight's show, let's hope Baker may not see the football fields as Cody Lashney has been firing shots at Panthers Twitter. We're going to have to wheel him out of the way of the ricochets tonight and hope that we don't get hit in the process. we got some fun things to talk about from odds on who will be the first NFL coach to be fired, potential NFL free agents, and a little nostalgia play for you. If you go and check out TikTok or YouTube shorts, you can see I put up a video, uh, the hot tub time machine um, video of where what could be the best wide receiver, uh, Panthers wide receiver touchdown. We're going to go through some questions about uh, most overrated, underrated players in the past, best running back if uh, Christian McCaffrey were to retire, and some other fun kind of nostalgic questions as we try to weather the doldrums of the no NFL uh, news cycle but that's a good thing Cody Lashney is no news is a good thing right now that means we don't we haven't heard about any injuries we haven't heard about uh, any arrests and at this point in your opinion if I can speak if maybe if you allow me to put some words in your mouth we haven't heard about the Panthers trading for Baker Mayfield just yet so welcome to the show Cody Lashney my will man how you doing hey man I'm doing good listen if the only newsworthy thing is that I'm starting shit on Twitter. Dude, it's a good day, man. There's nothing too much to complain about. Uh, Listen, it's another Tuesday night. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. On Tuesday nights, there's nowhere I'd rather be than on this podcast, chilling with my boys, hanging out with the best damn Panther fans in all of YouTube, Tony Dunn. You know them and love them. It's our man, Drew, ATX19. Dan Floyd, Hills Panthers, James Island Panther, Jay Prey, Jeremy Clancy, Joey the Blind Panther, Esquivel, KPM, Lynn Leonhart, what's up, Lynn? Matt Knows Nothing, Off Grid, Panther Gal 73, Panther Pickle, Kenneth, what's up? Rockhead 81, Shinobi CJ, The Nine Lives Panther Podcast, Tim Estes, underground west tony dunn ain't nothing to it but to do it brother let's roll ck in the house how are you my friend man listen you want to hear something that's gonna get you excited 53 days until our first preseason game 53 that means we're probably a month away from training camp so we got we may yeah listen it's not tomorrow 
but it's around the corner and we're going to have some stuff to talk about. We're going to see uh, plenty enough content coming out of the, uh, out of the Panthers uh, uh, locker room and the reporters and everything like that are going to probably be dropping a lot of bombs over the next couple of weeks. But listen, at least we uh, dodged the bullet of uh, Deshaun Watson, who we have some news to talk about today about as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deshaun Watson settled 20 out of 24 um, accusations or civil suits, I guess you would say. Uh, A man who said he would not settle because he was innocent Innocent. um, has settled. But, you know, I mean, I think he's at this point trying to expedite uh, his the decision making for his upcoming season. And good, good gracious. Tell you, this is a good news that that just didn't work out for us. So we'll have a lot to talk about tonight. You can call into the show at 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Be a part of the longest-running Panthers podcast. We want to hear your thoughts on the NFL. Um, On the Panthers going forward, will Matt Rule be the first coach fired? All of that. But we got to start with Cody Lashney tearing up the streets, uh, the Twitter streets. What's happened is, you know, there's been a lot of – uh, unrest in the Panthers community of like, I like, I somehow uh, I got oh, yeah. notifications last night that like the um, big cats channel and them are having a breakup and they were having oh, live yeah. dueling live videos, talking junk about each other. So yeah. uh, you had that going on. And then today, Cody Lashney out there just blasting like, like six shooters everywhere. What was going on? And it had to do about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, man. So listen, I'm a fan of this comedian named Andrew Schultz. He does a podcast called Flagrant. And he does this thing called All Feelings, No Facts. Right? I don't have any factual information to present to anyone here. But what I do have is a damn strong feeling. And what I said is there is no difference between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. The only reason you think different is that Sam played behind one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL since he was drafted, and Baker played behind one of the best offensive lines in football since he was drafted. And, boy, I kicked the hornet's nest, man. People got pissed off. And, look, I understand from a stats perspective, yeah, Baker Mayfield – is a better quarterback for if you just look at it from a stash perspective. However, I'm not doing that. I think Baker Mayfield is less mobile than Sam Darnold. I don't think he has a bigger arm than Sam Darnold. And I think we would be having a very different conversation about his ability as a quarterback. If he was forced to play with the same kind of players as Sam Darnold. I know one thing. You know, Sam might not be a great player. And trust me, I am not saying that he is. But what I am saying is that there aren't a whole lot of stories about, you know, receivers missing Baker Mayfield or players talking about how fantastic he is. And I really think a lot of this is situational. And he was on a damn good football team. And, um, this seemed to rub, rub people the wrong way, man. I don't know what it is about me, Tony, but uh, I push people's buttons, I guess. I am uh, a little interested in where the Baker Mayfield love comes from. Do you, do you think the Baker Mayfield love comes from, among Panther fans, right? 
is there is a, a group that I feel thinks that Baker Mayfield significantly makes this team a lot better. In fact, and this kind of Baker Mayfield makes us a playoff team. I've seen this from, from I think the same person, but I feel like I see it from a lot of people is that also Jimmy Garoppolo makes the Panthers a playoff team. And I think that the Panthers could be a playoff team, but I think that's a, the certainty of that statement is a little bit, um, I don't know. uh, I don't know. Haughty, arrogant in a way. I just don't feel it as as much. Do you think that the, the, do you think it's just because they don't believe in Sam Darnold that Baker Mayfield is that attractive? I think a lot of it has to do with Sam Darnold, but I also think they look at a quarterback that has been to the playoffs before. And I hear this a lot that, oh, well, hey, Baker Mayfield has quarterbacked the team to the playoffs. He won in Pittsburgh. But I'm like, okay, how is that an indicator of him elevating a football team, though? Because it's clear that that's what the Panthers have been missing from the quarterback position is a real leader, somebody that can actually elevate the talent around them when the talent stops working for them. And my argument is that Baker Mayfield has had multiple opportunities to do exactly that and hasn't done it at an elite level. And then on top of that, he does have just as much of an injury history as Sam Darnold, and that's proven. Um, And then you're having to trade assets for him. You're going to have to give up something to get Baker Mayfield. And and it's just, it absolutely makes no sense to me. And by the way, last Tuesday, I made the comparison to Case Keenum. Case Keenum quarterbacked a playoff team to the NFC Championship game on a Minnesota Vikings football team that went 13-3. and But yet, I didn't hear people. Well, you can make the same for case for Keenum. Kirk Cousins, right? Or a similar case for Kirk Cousins is he's taken the Minnesota Vikings kind of deep. Uh, you know, um, that year that they had the, I guess the rule with the Saints. Do you remember the Saints? Had, or was that Keenum that, that year? That was Keenum. That was Case Keenum. Yeah, that was oh, okay. Case Keenum. Uh, I, don't Kirk think, Cousins, I don't think they've been to the playoffs since Kirk Cousins has been there, has he? Really? Really? Um, I just remember this is when the Minnesota Vikings destroyed us last or actually not destroyed us because we tied it up late it went to overtime right is that because sam Darnold had his best drive with right like one minute less less than a minute left but then kirk cousins carved us up in overtime like and it just was over it felt like is that a lot of and i feel like a lot of the heat you get or you're getting is coming from the four-man rush and not that i'm not trying to name drop but i mean it was just As true always. it was but just they true. Always well, the problem they, is that the heat, like that, for the Baker Mayfield conversation, right? The the heat isn't coming from like they're they're not coming with like, you know, you, you, this is that doesn't make any. They're coming with just just completely generic statements. Like there was one person who wanted to quote re- retweet. This shows you people don't know anything about football, but has no counterpoint. Like nobody can really state a counterpoint that makes sense. They can set, cite one good year, and that's it. And I don't think there's anybody here advocating for Sam Darnold. The problem is, is right now, uh, Baker, we are so hungry for a quarterback. We see a guy like Baker Mayfield as maybe we, we see the exact same thing we saw in Sam Darnold. And that is 
maybe he just hasn't gotten a fair shake, right? Maybe he's able to do something good on this team. Maybe they just weren't exercising. Like we've we've played this we've played this game, guys. Like we have, we've played it two or three times already, and we failed every time. Now it's time we move to a position where, well, hey, maybe we need to go with a guy who hasn't had the stink of a bad team or a bad year, or a bad history. Like, I mean, let's be real about it. The right. dude has has is on his rookie contract still, and his he's a he's a first round pick, and they're not picking up. A, a contract they're not extending him because they're going with another guy they would rather have gone with a guy who had so many unknown questions in deshaun watson than go with baker Mayfield. who might also be suspended for a year an entire or, season yeah it like, is strange I, mean, I, f- I feel like um the browns are kind of in the win now mode and they think that baker mayfield got them to the playoffs but that's all that's going to happen uh i really feel like um Baker may well, I don't know. It's like it's kind of like an Alex Smith acquisition. I know it's not the best exact best comparison right. because Alex Smith was very like careful with the ball. Like Alex Smith was almost more a little bit like Teddy right. Bridgewater, but he did get more aggressive season. pushing down the pushing the field down the yeah. pushing the ball downfield when he was right. with Andy Reid and some different things. The but I don't before they moved on from him. Yeah, I mean, but I feel like this is that people saw, like, this is where we're going to be. This is where we can get. Now, if getting to the playoffs is all you want, then then that's fine. I mean, then Baker yeah. Mayfield might be able to do it, you know? And, and I'm going to put this up once I end the poll. I want everybody to go ahead and vote in the first poll of the night, which is what is your most memorable wide receiver touchdown in Panthers history? I put up three op- options, Steve Smith, 2004 versus the Rams. Overtime to win it to move on to the NFC Championship. Steve Smith, 2004 in the Super Bowl versus New England to spark, uh, I really one of the best blow for blow Super Bowls that you can get pound for pound. One of the best Super Bowls, I think it was 38. And Greg Olson in 2015 versus Seattle. I saw a salesman put up Dominic Hickson, uh, and the Saints is a notable mention. Um, I think uh, the Ted Ginn in my, I think it was Miami where he caught one out the back of the end zone was a notable mention for me. You guys can drop notable mentions in the chat room, or if you think something, go ahead and vote in this because the next poll I'm going to put up is do the Panthers have a better chance of making the playoffs with Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo? Right. It was like, uh, you know, are the team is the team, which one are they better with? And that would be an interesting. Now I still, I still don't get this. Why is the injury for Baker Mayfield as well as Jimmy Garoppolo non-issues for people when they're evaluating the addition of these players? Both of these guys have – and they're throwing shoulder injuries, I believe. Well, I think yeah. maybe maybe Baker's no, isn't. Baker, I think Baker's yeah. was his opposite. Yeah, you're shoulder. right, because he played through it. Yeah. Um. Here is still relevant though. It's not like your point changes. It's the he's right. hurt. It's, he it's has a, he has a, a a very clear history of getting hurt in an NFL season. I like. Uh, I wouldn't hate Baker Mayfield on this team. I would not hate it. I like. Uh, I do think. Uh, I disagree with you that him and Sam Darnold are the same player. I think mentally Baker Mayfield has an edge that Sam Darnold doesn't. I think that Sam Darnold is we're on the precipice of him being broken mentally and that being the ultimate problem 
you know, the problem may be with Darnold between the ears because it's this panic weirdness where it's like, oh, gosh, it's like stuff starts to once it starts to go wrong, it just goes worse and worse and worse. It just snowballs out of control. So he misses a pass or throws a pick and then it just continues to deteriorate throughout the game. And then that leads from game to game. So with them, that becomes a season on deterioration. You saw this early on when I think it was one of the plays he fumbled in a game where, I mean, it wasn't all his fault. He was getting, I mean, he was getting pressured like crazy, but he fumbled. And then, the, then remember he like threw it straight to a defensive end or like underhanded it straight to the other player. So is that to me, I don't, I'm not ready to say that they're even they're same. I think Baker Mayfield is notably better because of the mental edge, the moxie, the guts. And that's what you kind of need. I think Baker has an ability to shrug this stuff off and shrug the criticism off. So I'll give him that. But here, the concern for me, and this is where I'm going to side on Cody, is this, is I have no desire to bring in Baker Mayfield because I'm scared. What happens if we go and win nine games? I said this last week on this show. You go you go trade for Baker. Say you give a fourth-round pick, fifth round. Say you get a fifth-round pick for Baker Mayfield, and they eat some of his salary. And you go and win nine games. What do you do then? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Do you just and so are we talking about Baker Mayfield being the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers for the next three years? And that's why it's not really a great discussion just to say apples to apples, Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield. Because if Sam Darnold goes out wins nine games next year, guess who's not going to be the quarterback in 2023? Sam Darnold. Yeah. And also, by the way, in my own defense, real quick here on one thing. Like I said earlier, I said all feelings, no facts. Now, it doesn't mean that it couldn't end up at some point proving to be factual. But, you know, again, I I know that I'm going to be in the minority that people think that Baker Mayfield is a market improvement over Sam Darnold. And if you think that, I understand I'm probably not going to change your mind. But you did also mention the moxie. And that's something that keeps on getting mentioned. They're like, Oh, well, Baker Mayfield, he's got the attitude. He's got the moxie. He's ready to go and kick some ass. Well, I'm like, okay. He's got the chip. But can't I make the the opposite argument? And that I feel like whenever you see, for the past four years, whenever you would see like a trending or a viral Baker Mayfield clip, it always seemed to be a reporter pissing off Baker Mayfield for asking a very legitimate question and then him getting all butthurt and in his feelings and mad and upset about it. So it's like on the basis of that alone, I kind of disagree that this Moxie thing is like something that benefits him. Like he was the number one. Well, pick you in don't the remember draft. Jimmy Clausen that well then, because I mean, the I opposite of Moxie was. is terror. And is and by fear. the way, I think I think people and you included are saying Sam is like that. That Sam has none of that moxie. Sam has none of that drive. And I agree with you. Like, 1,000%, I agree with you on that. And, it, again, like, that's why I think the, the fact that the Panthers are right now having to debate between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold is the perfect statement on where this organization actually is right now as a football team and just how badly – this entire thing has been mismanaged. And the last thing, and then I'll pass it to CK here, um, 
it's funny that you mentioned uh, Sam when you pretty much just like passed it to a, a a player right in front of him. So I'm going back and forth with a few of the guys from Four Man Rush today, and one of the Baker Mayfield interceptions was literally that. It was Baker Mayfield playing the New England Patriots, and he literally pitches the football to a defender right in his face. So it's just funny that you mention it like that because it, it leads to my whole point is Baker Mayfield has a lot of wild misses, just like Sam. He has a lot of pocket inefficiencies, just like Sam. And he has a bunch of injury histories, just like Sam. So it only goes to further my point that Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are far more comparable prospects than people are giving me credit for when I make that comparison. And that's all I think, man. Listen, it's a, it's a, a very valid statement. I, you know, pre-game or pre-show rather, I brought up the comparison of Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yeah. Mitch Trubisky had one good season as well, right? And you can argue that he had a good season with a worse team um, than than Baker Mayfield had. Uh, but you don't see a bunch of teams out there pining over about to trade for for Mitch Trubisky. Nobody did. They ended up having to release him, and then he went to the Bills. And now he's got a job in the Steelers nation, which isn't a guaranteed starting position either. And and so that's kind of where we're at. Like, I don't know that we're in a position where you can, you can, you know, be picky, but at the same time, I think it's fair to say that, that it's, it's, it's not going to be Baker. Right? I'm just tired of this carousel of, of doing the exact same thing. We did the same thing with uh, Sam Darnold. We did the same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. We've done the same thing so many times. We're just so hungry for a quarterback that we're putting ourselves in a position to potentially be in a deeper and deeper hole than we already were. We dodged one bullet with Deshaun Watson. It's time not to do- you know continue to dodge these bullets instead of having to continue to have them grow and grow and grow like they have been. Yeah, it'll be, uh, and that is the truth, is that it's, it's just switching out one kind of defective part for another defective part. Teddy, I mean, but each one has had its own kind of uh, nuanced problem to it. Teddy Bridgewater's not a trade, but it was the longevity of his contract. The three, I mean, the problem was is just this: is they went and got Teddy Bridgewater to do what they to have this bridge, and then they gave up on it. They they're right. the ones that gave up on it. Is that sure? We didn't like them. Sure, we didn't love them. Part of that again goes back to the cam nostalgia you know you're moving on from your your greatest love to the rebound date or the rebound girlfriend and nothing they can do no matter what is ever going to uh live up to it right but it was really not teddy bridgewater's play that was problem it was the contractual problem right it's like why is the the length of the contract and the amount so that was a big deal then you give up assets for sam Darnold. Right, you get a broken kind of part. You know, a team that's not. We got outdone by the Jets. Like you know, the Jets are going to get a quarterback, and somehow they fleece us for more than we want. And I guess it's because they knew we were quarterback hungry, going after Stafford and all of that jazz. So it was the losing of assets with Baker Mayfield. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a bunch of assets we lose. But I think it will be time 
that's going to be the problem. It's just the continued time of what it could be. Now, if you go and get Baker Mayfield, it doesn't work. You can go on and say that Matt Rule's not going to have a job, and uh, then it doesn't matter. So let's go ahead and bring that up. Cody Key, bring up uh, the tweet. Um, I think it was from AG Sports. I'm not, I can't remember who. I think I put it in the uh, direct the sports chat. Book yeah, the sports book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is a, a, Tweet came out today, or at least the odds, Vegas odds for um, head coach to be first be fired uh, in the NFL. And and this kind of it relates to all of this. If Baker Mayfield comes in and they don't do well, Matt Rule will be fired. If the Panthers don't do well, there's a good chance Matt Rule will be fired. And that's what Vegas is betting on. Right now, he is leading the odds. Um yeah, Matt Rule is plus three hundred uh, to be the first coach fired in three uh, in twenty twenty two, followed by Mike McCarthy, Pete Carroll, Frank Wright, Ron Rivera, Kevin Stefanski. Then it goes Dan Campbell, Cliff King, Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Vrabel, Robert Sala, Arthur Smith. So like those guys are way down on the list. So you're really you're talking about this is the guys are in the range of Rule and then McCarthy. And then the odds double to Carol Reich Rivera. Isn't it kind of crazy that Carol and Reich have better odds to be fired than Rivera? Well, Rod have- has made the playoffs once. Um, that whole franchise is such a disaster right now uh, when it comes to maybe the owner getting kicked out. <laughs> You know, I mean, it's like such a shit show. You remember when um, we had the Greg Hardy incident, uh, the Greg Hardy stuff, and he was on the commissioner's non-exempt list and stuff. And then we had uh, the sale of our team by Jerry Richardson. And Ron Rivera became the spokesman, the face, the, the guy that just was the liaison to the world. You did that. Ron Rivera did that through a lot. He did that with the Trent Williams already with the commanders. He did that in the name change from the Redskins or Washington football team to the commanders. He is, uh, he, uh, now he's doing it with, uh, what's his his name? Uh, his defensive, uh, Jack Del Rio. Rio. It just seems like this is like, he's the only good thing. Mm. He's like the only good thing in Washington, but I do. Yeah, I I think. Well, I think that the Seattle is. I think that Pete Carroll's just old. Yeah, and that's probably why. But I mean, even still, I figure he won a Super Bowl, went to another one. You know, that's he's won more than Ron, and he's been to one more than Ron. Um, so I don't know. I you know I think that's interesting. And by the way, like boys, this goes back to exactly what I was saying that this is a Matt Rule thing. You know, there's all this mystery about who's the one actually, like, wanting and campaigning for Baker Mayfield. And this comes back to, if you're someone that believes it's anyone other than Matt Rule, you're being willfully naive. I mean, come on. Like, we're talking about a lame duck head coach who has the best odds to be fired and is in the third year and he hasn't produced over five wins in a right. single season. Like you're, this is a move 
that only a coach makes when they're in the throes of desperation and they have no other answers, answers available to them. And their starting quarterback is the guy that they bet on last year in Sam Darnold. And then we're supposed to believe that if we're going to do it again, the results are going to somehow be different. Nah, man, that's insanity right there. Tony, I wanted to highlight some uh, comments that I really liked in the chat. Uh, Panther Pickle says, let's be real. Panther fans choose between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. It's like picking which pile of shit you have to eat. Or shit, Baker, or cow shit. Sam said, as only Panther Pickle can. (laughs) Shout out, Kenneth. Uh, Thomas Thompson says, is it me or does Cody look like Jack Sparrow tonight? My mom says I look like Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, which... Either way, pretty handsome dudes. So thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, and Lynn Leonhardt says Mayfield might mean little to no time for Corral, which might in turn mean we lose an opportunity to see what he has. Thank you, Lynn. And the reason why I, I, I favorited this post is because if we do trade for Baker Mayfield and for whatever reason, you know, a really good top prospect quarterback, is sitting there for the Panthers next year, neither Baker Mayfield or Matt Corral is going to be enough of a reason to stop the Carolina Panthers from drafting their quarterback of the future. And, by the way, realize that we're probably going to be doing so with a brand-new head coach under that scenario as well. So, you know, there's that, man. I want to go ahead and encourage everybody to call in at 252-228-1598 and jump in the poll who would the 2022 Carolina Panthers be better with? I did not see this coming, Cody. Um, I was originally going to put the poll up as just Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield, but I said, why not just throw Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold is winning the poll, and I have not voted <laughs> in it. I have not voted in it. 37% of people say that the Panthers would be better with Sam Darnold. 33% Jimmy G. Baker Mayfield pulling up lame. Do you think this is? Are they trolling? Are they trolling Baker? Is this true? Do you think the uh, does, does the chat really think we could be better with Sam Darnold? Well, I mean, I also think part of our fans, if you, oh, we lost Cody. Agree oh. with us? Oh, there he is. I don't know. I, I, I'm really not sure, man. I think the the opinions are all over the place. Like that's another thing about this guys. There really is no consensus about any of this shit. There's so much guessing, like. Well, is Sam going to be a better player behind a better offensive line? Could Baker Mayfield make it work with DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey? It's like there's so many unknowns that every answer is technically relevant. You know? I think at the end of the day is that, like, Sam Darnold can't be worse than he was last year with an improved offensive line, right? Because this is not a defense of his play. But last year's offensive line across the board was just horrendous. In the past, we had had, I could single out people like Matt Khalil or uh, Byron Bell. But it was really all the way to Taylor Moten. Like, I mean, Taylor Moten was the only person you couldn't shit on. The whole line stunk. The whole line stunk. And even... When you hear people saying, oh, Michael Jordan played pretty. Like, when we say pretty well, it is like this. is like um, 
it's like you're lucky if you eat that the horse shit you ate actually had a magic mushroom in it or the cow shit. So it was like you still had to eat cow shit and you maybe got one hallucinogenic stem in it. At least you got the trip balls. Or or just a little bit, a little body buzz or something. But it was just bad. It was just like to the point. And I'm telling you, it was so bad. It's just like you saw people get knocked on their ass. I I felt like people didn't move. Like it was almost like um like a, a an old tabletop football game or hockey game. Remember when you used to have those like sliders and it was just like they couldn't move i mean people run right by him and i'm not trying to defend sam donald he did not play well he made a a lot of errors nobody nobody played well but that line was just like it didn't look like an nfl line at all and i just think that even taylor moulton kind of suffered because i agree yeah everybody you know that that whole union is so dependent upon one another even taylor kind of looked crazy from time to time yeah i was gonna say that i think we've uh we've all you know we all had this same argument multiple times about uh you know when when you're an offensive line and i think it was a lot of it was in defensive paradise in his first year was you know there's only so much you can do especially when you're the center of that like or when you're considered to be a leader you then have to start worrying about whether people are picking up their assignments if they're not now you have to try to split that block and and, and just it never ends very well so I, I agree. I think that you could be the best player on the on the field and still have a very, you know, horrendous outcome with something like that. So yeah. Um comment Carson one, low key Coldridge, Barnage, Stroud, the fourth makes us Super Bowl contenders. What do you think? First, he's using my government. He's using my mama's name. He's calling me. Anthony <laughs> he's Anthony. Anthony. I like that. Uh my Second. mom used to do that with you too, and I'm like, "My, you realize no one calls him Anthony." <laughs> uh, you know, I use here. I can tell you one thing about Anthony is, uh, I use it at work. Like oh, anytime he? I need to be in a professional situation where I don't, yeah. you know, I need to kind of watch my demeanor, my, t- you know, I mean, and we, we all. And look, is that the whole point of this podcast is I know I'm not going to do anything on this podcast that hopefully risks my job right? or does some things like that. But it is a more casual situation and it's meant to be that way. It's right. meant I won't go as far as this. It's close to locker room talk without me trying to uh, uh, intentionally like grab people by the you know what, as Donald Trump would say. But that's what you have me for. <laughs> right. Is but I mean, like uh so I kind of know and another thing is where I work at too is I've I've grown up in this area. Like I've all I've never I've always lived here. So there's a long history of me in this town with people and stuff, and I haven't always been professional, <laughs> you know, professional. I've been a jerk kids. So I like, I always like to know who I'm talking to. If you call me Tony, I feel like I can be loose. If you call me Anthony, I might put the tie on and I'm like, all right. Yep. Yeah. But no. um, uh, to answer his question though. Um, so I haven't done my full deep dive evaluations on any of the players in the 2023 class yet. He's talking about CJ Stroud, by the way, Ohio state quarterback. Uh, and as of right now, he's probably my number one uh, rated quarterback. I also really like Will Levis, 
out of Kentucky. He still needs some uh, uh, some refinement, but he is a dual threat quarterback if there ever was one. Um, and I, I really like a few other guys coming out. And by the way, like that's my point, Tony. Like you know, you heard all this year that this is not a good draft class for quarterbacks. That's next year. And when you start to do some digging, there really are a lot of names to look out for, man. Um, you know, the like I said, the guy from Kentucky, uh, the quarterback from Miami, Van something or another, uh, Bryce Young, which everybody's talking about a lot. Y'all have heard me kind of go on some minor tangents about him. I kind of think he's another two attack of Iloa, but that's for another day. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it makes me want to play. Matt Corral even more this season because we should know what we have in him at the end of this year so that way we know if we have a player that we're willing to bet on for the future and I think that's important and it's something that we kind of missed an opportunity to do last year fully with Brady Christensen at left tackle in a full-time circumstance. I am surprised at how optimistic a lot of Panther fans are about this team this year. Right. Now, I'm not saying that I think they're going to be terrible. I think that they should be better than they were last year. I expected them to be better last year than they were the year before. But they didn't take a step forward last year. They actually regressed last year from Matt Rule's first year. But there are a lot of people that keep saying, man, we're playoff team. We're playoff team. (laughs) Like, hold up. Wait a minute. Hold up, wait a minute, folks. Now, if I'm sitting here going, if we get seven wins, that's a big improvement from this team. I I know, I know that you want to say that DJ Moore is a top five receiver in the league. I know you love that, folks. I know you love that. But look, my man scored four touchdowns a season. Four touchdowns a season. You know, it's like, I love DJ Moore. I love him. Love him. But, like, right now, aren't the, you're trying to tell me that our wide receiver core is one of the best, is, is like, is a threat? Come on. It's DJ Moore and an unknown in Terrace Marshall Jr. and Robbie Anderson, the problem child right now, who is, a, is probably people give him more credit for being a good player than he probably really is. It's like he's kind of. I don't know. It's like he's supposed to be a number two or three type wide receiver. But like, here is the thing. We had a dog shit offensive line last year. And yeah, we added some cool pieces. It seems like Austin Corbett. We've got uh, the, the center from the Ravens, like all these things. But you know what? They're all unknowns. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we haven't seen any of this shit on the field yet. We haven't seen, like, I mean, you can say, yeah, we've got a lock offensive lineman in, uh, what's his name, Uh, uh, Equanu? Yeah, we got this. But, like, this is, this idea, I don't even know if our defense is is straight intimidating. I mean, there's some pieces. There's some pieces. There's some young, exciting pieces in J.C. Horn. There is Brian Burns, who we hope is going to like finally become the top one of the top defensive ends. But you, what part of our team screams confidence? 
I'm at like, I mean, I can see optimism as in it's not going to be as bad as it was. I'm okay with that. But this idea that we're not that far from being a playoff team. I mean, yeah, every team is supposed like is one season away from being a playoff team, but I'm not sitting here looking at anything like, Oh my God, we've got all new. I mean, we're saying this is if that's the case, we're putting all of our eggs on the McAdoo in the McAdoo basket. We really are, but it feels that. How long have we been saying that, though, Tony? It we've been. I, I think we even said last week too that if there's this feeling that if the Panthers are good this year, it has a lot to do with Ben McAdoo and the changes that he's made to our offseason, uh, or the changes that he's made to our offense over the course of this offseason. And I, I think that's a that has a lot to do with it. Um. And you know it, it's it's funny. I'm not even gonna play a clip because we'll get demonetized. We had to find that out the hard way. But on the Pivot uh, podcast, they just had Mike Tomlin on the show, and there was a clip floating around on Twitter of him talking about there are coaches that run towards the opportunity to coach, right? So he's talking about when he's looking at um, scouting reports. And you see a lot of guys talking about hand placement and different stuff dealing with technique. And it's like, oh, that doesn't bother me at all. That doesn't scare me at all. Because that's an opportunity for us as coaches to take that player to the next level and show them all the areas that they're deficient in. Literally, no one feels that way about Matt Rule. Matt Rule might be telling you that he's rushing towards an opportunity to coach you, but no, he's rushing for an opportunity for all of his assistant coaches to teach you up and refine you things. And you even said this, Tony, like you're either an ultimate motivator or you're an ultimate X's and O's type of guy. And Matt Rule feels to be neither of those things. So when you hear Mike Tomlin say stuff like that, it's like, oh, man, it's further evidence of where we are from a head coaching perspective. And like you said, when people are making all these grandiose statements about how good the Panthers are going to be, it's based on a lot of unknowns. We don't know. All unknowns, bro. Yeah. All unknowns. Like Hassan Reddick. We don't know what our, what our line is going to look like minus Hassan Reddick. Um, you know, there, there's a whole bunch of different things that factor into this. The quarterback position, there's so many unknowns. Yeah. The whole reason they do this is J.C. Horn. It's the idea that J.C. Horn is the greatest player that's only that play, that got hurt. And I look, I, I, I mean, but I mean, he 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 could be very very good. He could be very yeah. good. But we haven't even he's. I want him to be good, but I'm not ready to bet. Right. I'm ready to bet that the Panthers are like, it's not like, oh, we were just missing J.C. Horn. We have no, like, we don't know what the QB, and I think Lynn brings up a great point here with the offensive line, is that this offensive line could be a lot better, but still take time to gel. First of all, it's like, it can't be much worse. That's for damn sure. If it's any worse, then I'm fucking, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to only watch the defense. I'm going to go make food every time the offense is on the field. Yes. All right. Maybe I guess Christian McCaffrey and Christian McCaffrey in the mix. We can incrementally go up 
if we double our win total, double our win total, we're still at 10, and that's backing it. That's like that's not guaranteed to make the playoffs. And you could be right. a 10 win team and not be fantastic. I mean, or you know, so I hope the Panthers, I think the Panthers are gonna be better. I do think yeah. the Panthers are gonna be better. I expect them to be better. I expect every team, it doesn't matter what year it is, for them to be better than last year, especially when you're five and 12 team right and see again nah jc horn a sure thing okay he's a sure thing to be good okay is he a sure thing to be healthy is he the reason though that you're going to say that this panthers defense is going to be dominant because i don't want to hear this we had a top two top three defense last year and they just had too much on them we don't know we've got all new linebackers outside of shaq thompson We've got new defensive – like, there's nothing really the same about this team other than C.J. Henderson, J.C. Horn, Jeremy Chin, and Brian Burns, and Derek Brown, Jack Thompson. Like, that's what – all right, so, okay. There's still a lot of other players that we got that we got to have contribute. The number's 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Go ahead and shame these fools, and then we'll get into some calls. Well, I mean, yeah, listen, we've been talking about Baker Mayfield and Sam Donald, and we appreciate all of you for sticking around to this point. I'm sorry that we're almost, uh, you know, an hour into the podcast and we haven't gotten around to this yet. Um, sincerely, our apologies. If you ever bought one of those cam wows to help you uh, absorb moisture, well, now would be the time uh, to put those into action because without further ado, here is the voice that makes them moist. It's our man, Codizzo Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. We have T-minus 53 days until the Carolina Panthers play another game. Sure, it's preseason, but the reality is we're about to see Panthers play some football. So I have one thing to say to all you legends that have come in here. Subscriber shame if you haven't hit that like button. Over and out. Subscriber shame. Hit that like button. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe. For every single time the C3 Panthers podcast goes live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. and every Friday at 7 p.m. for the Friday free for all. Hey, man, we take no weeks off. C3 podcast is year round. Here for the fans, for the fans, by the fans. Hit that like, hit that subscribe, hit that notification bell. Tony Dunn, let's listen to what these people got to say in these cat calls. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty sh- You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good, like... Hey guys, uh, enjoy the show. And about this whole Baker Mayfield to Carolina situation, it makes absolutely no sense to bring him in other than to save Matt Rule's job. That's it. We've invested multiple picks in Sam Donald, even though he's not good. We've still invested three picks in him. 
We've invested three picks in Corral. Like, run it with those guys. Because so many Panthers fans who want to bring in Baker this year, they're, it's such a short-sighted view. Panthers fans need to have a big-picture view on this. All it does is muddy up the waters for the QB room or the future. So let's say Baker comes in and wins the seven or eight games and we, we're flirting with the playoffs. We don't quite make it. Now what? Do you give him a yeah. one-year franchise tag, which is going to be over $30 million? And, oh, by the way, we're already $30 million over the cap for next year. And then we have to allocate $10 more million for our draft class. So it just it completely muddies up the water of the whole QB room moving forward in the future. And the only purpose of bringing him in is to save Matt Rule's job for one more year. That's it. That's, that's all it is. There's no other logical explanation or good reason to bring him in. Thanks for taking my call, and y'all have a good night. Man, I don't have the soundboard like Tony does, but if I did, I'd be playing the applause. Congratulations, caller. You're certified the man, dude. Literally everything that you just said is exactly everything that I've been saying, man. You hit the nail on the head. It muddies the waters. It makes our future quarterback situation far more unclear. We're trading for yet another unproven quarterback that we're having to trade assets to go and get. We're all excited about Matt Corral. For what? Just to us not have the opportunity to even see him in action and be behind both Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, neither of which are players that the fans can even give a damn about. That caller was fantastic. I love everything he had to say. There we Hit go. him up with the applause. We got you. Oh. There you go. Numbers 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Let's continue. The callers want to talk about Baker. Hey, guys. This is Tyler. I uh, love watching you guys. Love all the work you're doing. Thank Keep you. Swiss Pines, I really believe. Really enjoy watching you. I uh, just wanted to give my thoughts on the Baker Mayfield uh, uh, topic. Um my opinion is, like, Sam Darnold, I don't think any of uh, like we, you guys have been saying, I don't think anybody really is advocating for Sam Darnold. Nobody likes Sam Darnold. I think that's one of the main reasons why people argue about Baker Mayfield uh, coming to the Panthers. But there's not really a significant upgrade that's worth it, I think, in the short term and long term. Right. Sam, uh, Baker Mayfield, I think, can give us a, a two extra wins, maybe a fourth and most, more than – Sam, I think Sam can give us five or six, uh, possibly. So I think Baker could give us like seven, eight, maybe nine wins, uh, you know, as far as comparing the seasons. But that's not really, well, that's not something we want. I mean, what's the point of getting five wins versus eight or nine, like you made in the playoffs? But it's not going to change anything. We have some cap space this year, um, but next year we'll be really tight in the cap room. So if we're giving up a late round pick and Cleveland saying that they want to pay half of Baker's contract, so maybe give up a five, six, or seventh round pick and pay a nine million, that and it's not going to change anything really in the short term or long term. I just don't see why it would make sense for the Panthers to pick them. And I think that's what Cody's trying to say. I do think that Baker uh, does bring a little bit extra to the table as far as leadership and obviously he's taking the Browns to the playoffs but 
he's not going to – I just don't see him really taking us to the playoffs with the team that we have. Um, and he's so late with, uh, you know, coming into the building, getting to know Ben McAdoo and the offense and the players. I just don't see it, uh, you know, so, uh, it just doesn't make sense to me bringing him on. I just think we just need to suck it up with Sam Darnold one more year, move on from him. You know, hopefully Max Corral can step in there later this year and show what he can do and show that he can possibly be the future. But I just don't see Baker Mayfield really making sense. So thank you, guys. Uh, love listening to you. Hope you have a good night. Man, thank you. Another good call. Is that the, it, Again, that's the point we were uh, both – I think all three of us have been making a lot too. Um, a lot of people, it's not even, again, if it's just a one-to-one basis, Baker and Sam Darnold, then sure, Baker Mayfield right now seems the better bet for the immediate return, right? Is that right. he's had more success. He doesn't completely seem broken mentally. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, right? And, and those are good things. And he he's had success in the league, whether you want, whether he's been on a better team or not. Sam Darnold just hasn't, and there's a lot of questions. So apples to apples, Baker is a superior player, but how superior is one question. Again, the second question goes to me is what happens if he's okay? Then what do you do? One is this. Are you out of the quarterback range for a draft, number one? No, you know, is that say you're picking 11th. Are you trading up to get a quarterback? Are you extending Baker Mayfield and trying to build a team with a with a quarterback that uh, doesn't lose it for you necessarily? But right. Baker's had some tendencies to play poorly as well. It's not like he's um, the safe quarterback only, right? Is that he he's not the guy that's like, oh, well, he won't lose it for you. There's been moments where he's lost it yeah. for those teams. So... It's just kind of like, what are you going to do next, even if it kind of works out? Um, on top of that, I want to go to this as the cap question. This is a, I don't understand this, guys. This is the, fir- the first caller said that we would be negative next year. Yeah. Uh, second caller tells us that we'll be tight next year. I don't get it. What What is happening? How do we have cap space this year but not next year? Whose contract is kicking in? Sam Darnold's comes off the books. Teddy Bridgewater's is completely off the books by then, I feel like, is that this would be, it's probably, we probably still got some money. (laughs) We're probably paying him somehow. Like, who is it? Is that, is it Christian McCaffrey's deal kicks in? We don't know what Brian Burns is. Like, we don't have, who is the big deal? DJ Moore, does his go up some? I guess it's all the people that we restructured. I think Robbie Anderson's on the books more. I think McCaffrey's nah, on the he's books. Not. He's done after this year. Let me pull I'm gonna up. Look it up. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, I'm going to look it up over the cap because I like them. Better, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was to my Let's understanding. Look we got time. It. The last time that I looked, we were around $5 million over right. the cap, I believe. Uh, and it had a lot to do with our. Uh, restructures, uh, all the restructures that we made. That's what a restructure is. You're kicking the can down the road. Right, but who? Uh, I've but, only heard that with uh, Shaq. The last person I heard that with was Shaq and maybe Taylor Moten. Oh, well, so, Chris McCaffrey. 
DJ Moore also just got paid. Dante Jackson just got paid. Like players oh, okay. got play, okay, so play, players got paid. And by the way, I wouldn't even worry about this too much. And I'm gonna mess up his na- uh, his last name. Forgive me. Um, Amir, I believe it's Suleiman, uh, the the guy that's in charge yeah, of the chip yeah. Cap- yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently, he's very good at his job. And this doesn't. Well, I call bullshit story. on that because but, we've never had a lot of money anyway, and he's always been the cap guy. What I'm saying is that it, we have options available to us next year. So even this though is it like looks, it sounds like though, the Matsko thing. Remember when they used to tell us Matsko was the best offensive line coach in the world, and we never had a good offensive line. Well, Suleiman is think, the best cap guy, and we never I'll had any this, cap money. We have to give him credit. When we had no money, and by the way, the Saints did this too, which would further show you that the salary cap is a myth, that they were able to restructure and get all this room cleared on the event that we were going to land Deshaun Watson. The Saints did the exact same thing. So the only point that I'm trying to make is nobody should really be freaking out about the Panthers being five million over the cap next year well yeah that because it's not it's it. not like like there's no way for us out of it right all right so uh they must have restructured robbie really how does oh, he get uh, that much money Carson that can't Lawrence be right that can't be restructured right. pat elflin also um robbie anderson is still worth 20 million dollars <laughs> crazy um okay so i guess if you do the simple just click over with no changes, right? Is that all of a sudden, think about this, is you can't cut any, uh, well, Robbie, Christian McCaffrey, oh, Taylor Moten. See, that's where it is, is the restructure is going to come in on Taylor and DJ Moore then. They're going to have a lot of hit there, I guess. Gosh. Yeah. There's going to be, but you know what? The team is going to be completely different by that point. Yeah, I think um, I'm not really worried about that, but that does like when you project that way, that's not uh, the most the the most glowing outlook. It's not like yeah, where, but, we, but here is that you also think cap's going to go up, right? You expect that, yeah. Um, and none of those numbers are really going to work that way because you're you are talking about DJ and them. They got paid. Now they're going to redo it. So they kind of spread it out yeah. over differently. Dante, they're going to spread it out. And Moten, Moten's going to be the one they restructure. Right. Dude, you know, the salary that- cap is a myth. It never is truly hindering anyone. The only thing Let's that hinders this, your free agency. The only thing that hinders your free agency is if you have a bullshit football team and no one wants to come play for you. That's it. it this money situation, too many teams have shown the NFL that the salary cap, it's not an obstacle. It just isn't. The Saints every year pulled money out of a hat. For a while, the Seahawks were doing it. Then the Chiefs were doing it. Dude, I'm telling you, man, if we have good guys in the front, it doesn't bother me. How are we still paying Matt Paradis? How are we paying Hassan Reddick money? We only signed him to a one-year deal. How are we paying him for another year? Do you remember he signed for a one-year deal? Yeah. I don't even understand that. I get it. Like, it's that, it's that new math. It's that, uh, it's that uh, what is it, common core math. Yeah, that's uh, 
Where was Wrong it? the people. That, that, that's, what, that's, what, uh, that's what Lynn said. It's that new math. Common core, man. Yeah, it's so good. nonsensical. Um, well, it, Matt, it works in the NFL. All right, the number is 252-228-5098. Let's go to the next call. Yo, what's good, C3? It's uh, JD54. Um, JD? I was just calling in to speak on uh, this this continuing uh, story that the Panthers may be trying to uh, trade for Mayfield. As many people in the chat have said, and as you guys have said, at best, it's a lateral move. And to that point, I feel, I've said it before, I feel as though if Corral said it in his interview, as far as he's concerned, it's the mental aspect of the game that's, that's stopping him from taking the starting job. So if he's capable of, of getting it down, getting the playbook down and stuff, I, I, I pose the question of is the talent gap between him and these upcoming quarterbacks really all that different? I like Bryce Young or, or any of them, their arms might be stronger. Like, who, who, who can really say that the talent gap is indifferent? So my thing is, if Corral's able to learn the playbook, everything else is truly going to have to be trial by fire. I say you put Corral out there at day one and let Sam be the fucking backup. But Sam might be a better teacher than he is an actual player. But yep. this whole get Baker Mayfield, nah. It, it, honestly, between Sam and Baker, I'd rather have Sam because I don't like Baker's attitude and the play on the field ain't that. There's, there's nothing Baker's done as wow. So, yeah. That's my two cents. Uh, I get it. I mean, everybody knows I get it, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I feel like I'm leading this train of anti Baker Mayfield, but you have been on the, you have been an advocate for getting in there, getting Corral in there sooner than later. And here yeah, is the thing: right. is that where it does make sense is that if you don't do it this year, there might be a chance that he's not ever going to see the field for the Carolina right. Panthers. Period. Right, because you could be new coach, new everything, new quarterback in the year after if it's that bad. Um, I mean, maybe I think is this is you could say, well, we're going to bring him in at some point if things aren't working out, and then we'll get to see in a way that's a little bit more organic than just throwing him into the fire. Right. My last kind of question about it, though, or point, is that like we do all right? So there's one way is like to not rush them and break them, right? It's like you don't you're kind of scared of mentally breaking them. The other is is that the NFL playbook and the NFL game is so much more complicated. Do you have to when you have a player that's young and learning, do you have to make it the most complicated system ever? Like, why couldn't we simplify? our playbook our calls in a way to benefit and bring our players along and to just say yes McAdoo could have a 700 page um playbook with right. 97 different calls but that's not best for what we got with Matt Corral right is like we don't need to make it as dumbed down as a a real basic, like we're holding up faces on the sideline, but why can't you in between it a little bit and bring him along and not make it too complicated is give him a couple of checks and be, you know, and say, this is how we're going to handle it and see what happens. Didn't we do the similar thing for Cam Newton, his first year? 
like didn't we kind of make it a little bit more simple so that it was more like the things he ran in college on top of right like it was I feel like that's what a good offensive coordinator does is kind of looks at the pieces that they have and say, let's build the offensive game plan around a guy like Cam Newton or Matt Corral or, you know, hell, at this point in time, even Sam Darnold, right? Let's build the offense around the things that are their strengths as opposed to making the weaknesses a big part of it. And they've started with building the line, I think. They've, the, the biggest the biggest question mark always was Cam, or, you know, not Cam Newton, but Sam Darnold, is not able to perform well under pressure. Like, and, and there's a lot of you know quarterbacks that aren't able to do that, but you know, that's Sam Darnold's biggest weakness, I think, is his inability to perform under pressure. So they made a priority to make sure he's maybe not under pressure. And maybe they're gonna start doing a lot more bootleg, you know, type of uh uh of plays where he's throwing on the run or something along those lines. I mean, I think that that would be a what the uh, uh, hallmarks of a good offensive coordinator. And so I think that that part is is okay to be able to simplify it so that you have somebody like a uh you know a, a rookie like mackerel come in here and be able to do that the part i'm starting to kind of feel i don't know like the idea of breaking a player mentally if you have the capability of doing that they weren't a leader to begin with in my opinion right and do you really want them to be a quarterback if you can break a quarterback do you really want them to be the quarterback like you want that right. quarterback that's going to be able to say, no matter what the situation is, I'm going to bounce back from it. Not, you know, woe is me. My mental state is now incredibly in the, in the dumps and I'm going to be just continuously bad. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I've never played the quarterback position, so I can't really speak to what that really entails, but I just, you know, at least from the perspective of, of, you know, wanting the leader at that position, I don't think you want somebody in there who's going to be easily broken. And it feels like, uh, Sam Darnold could very well be that way. I don't know that Matt Corral is. We have to see more about from him, but um, I, I think uh, I think I, the 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 rulings out on 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 Sam Darnold and um, the argument. I, and I, want, I was thinking about this earlier. Like the argument people have about Baker Mayfield coming and making this team immediately a playoff team. Like it's such a, a ridiculous statement because. They're all the exact same people who said we're losing because of Matt Rule. Like I hate Matt Rule. Matt Rule's the worst court coach in the, and we've all been on that train. But not a single one of us are saying this is a playoff team right now, right? With Matt Rule at the helm, there's no logical reason you can give me that Baker Mayfield's going to come in here and improve this team to where, uh, you know, you can give Ben Ben McAdoo as much credit as you want, but there's still a lot that is going to fall on Matt Rule, right? And, and sure. the idea that that one player is going to come in here and change it all up, uh, we need to see more from Matt Rule at this point in time in order to be able to make that assumption, not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and see, okay, to go off of something that you said too, uh, that's something that coaches do all the time. When you have a rookie quarterback, you're understanding that they're coming into the NFL being asked to do things that they were simply never asked to do in college. So, yeah, when you're able to build an offense around them, that's what McVay did for uh, Jared Goff. That's what Andy Reid did for Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is what happens all the time. And uh, I believe this is Matt Rule who said this, um, talking about Matt Corral. And it does. I've kind of hypothesized this as well, that even if Matt Corral was ahead of the curve, you wouldn't really know it because he was in a system where he wasn't asked to do a lot of those things. 
he might be able to pick them up very quickly. Um, uh, this is Matt Rule, I believe. It's out of context, but uh, he says, uh, I think the way McAdoo kind of says this, when the ball is snapped, Matt's natural instincts are usually pretty right on. There was a play today. He went to the left. It wasn't there and came back to the right. When you find a young guy who can scan the field like that, it's pretty good. The pre-snap is what's getting him. So basically what he's saying is, is that all the moving parts and the moving pieces that happened before the play, those are the things that's kind of giving him issues. And that's to be expected with a rookie quarterback. That's why this training camp is going to be so important for him. That's why the preseason is going to be such a big deal for him. I mean, really taking the time to learn the playbook and understand what he's doing. I don't necessarily blame him for not being good at that stuff yet. He needs some time. He needs some polish. And by the way, Sam Darnold, to me, is the perfect buffer for Matt Corral. Because at least if you have Sam Darnold, he's already on the roster. You've already dedicated resources to bringing him, bringing him here to Carolina. Why don't just let him start the season? Like I said, give him the opportunity to prove himself to finally be a franchise quarterback. We did start 3-0 and last year. Let Sam prove that he can be the best version of himself. And then the minute the wheels fall off, start to give Matt Corral some looks. By the way, even if the wheels don't fall off, put him in some goal line situations every once in a while. When the, when the Panthers are up big, put the rookie in and let him get some playing time and really start to see what you have. Tony, I think we have the perfect situation for Matt Corral to come along at just the right pace and time. Let's bring that Matt Rule comment back up, the whole tweet and everything. I think this is, I call bullshit on this. I think this is, oh, how about, not bullshit, that's wrong, is overdone. Um, It says, uh, so in, in the tweet it says, pre-snap is where Corral is apparently struggling. struggling. I watched McVay hold Goff's hand to, to a Super Bowl by helping him with pre-snap calls through his helmet earpiece. Uh, Corral can easily start week one if the coaches do their job. And all right. So now I read the caller. whole tweet. That makes this sense. This is our uh, this is our first caller in the cat calls tonight. Oh, awesome! All right. So okay, then I'm with that because golf's like is well, yes, McVay's dope as fuck and this and that. Golf though was like a number one draft pick too, so right. he wasn't like a hold his hand, you know. But he was also like famously stupid, like. There was that clip of him saying, like, not knowing if the sun rises in the west or the east. Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, you remember that? <laughs> I want to know this. And when I said where I call bullshit on the pre-snap thing and the protections and this and that. Or I think it might be exaggerated. Is I would argue that there's only like four or five quarterbacks in the NFL that do that really, really well. Okay. I don't think Sam Darnold does. No. Do you think, and what this really is, is this, is they go up to the line, they have two plays called usually, right? They have a like an A passing play and a B passing play, and then they right. can audible to a different play. And they look at the defense and they try to identify if it's a cover two and which play fits that one better, right? But what players are in the league, what quarterbacks in the league do you think 
are really that far along in that. And if you give me names that have been in the league for 10, 12 years, then I don't want to have the talk. You know, it's like, that's one thing. It's like, yes, Tom Brady does that. But that's like the greatest quarterback in the history of the world. Right. Is this, is that we, we've had a guy that's been in the league four years. He didn't do shit last year with that. Uh, Who is it? Who is the guy? Who is the quarterback in the league that is eating you up like that? And I guarantee you they're all crazy vets. They're all old school vets that have just seen those looks hundreds and hundreds of times. And so I just don't think we should be paralyzed by that. Right. Paralyzed entirely because the coaching, that means you should never start a rookie period. Period. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, is that like zero, zero time? Can they overcome that? Because that means Kyler Murray couldn't, what wasn't ready for that. That means Jared Goff wasn't ready for that. Means Patrick Mahomes. Like none of these guys were ready for that, and they weren't. They weren't ready to be the most what they are going to be in the end, the end product from day one. But here is the thing: is you can call out protections and doing that, this and that. But if you fucking shit the bed, who cares? Sam, like, I mean, like, really, is that you're trying to tell me that Baker Mayfield is that more advanced as in being able to do all this and he still has thrown 22 interceptions? Yeah. And don't you want to know? know. And don't you want to know? know. Okay, so you brought up Clawson earlier. And remember, I didn't, I didn't, like, I wasn't big into the Panthers that year. Like, it was obvious to everyone at a certain point that Clawson was not the guy. He just right? wouldn't like, throw it downfield, dude. He just would just check, check, And check. throwing interceptions. And no, like, he yeah. didn't throw a ton of those. He, his stat line would right. be like 9 for 13 for 88 yards, and that's it. Like, it wasn't, game, it wasn't like all – it was just like – it just was like, nope. It was so just like the other, sack, sack, uh, uh, dump, sack. I'm subscribed to uh, NFL Throwback, and they post games that happen. Uh, they posted one from that season with Jimmy Clausen as the Panthers starter, and we were playing the Bears. And, dude, I, I forget who was starting for the Bears. I think Cutler was hurt. But they just took turns with turnovers and turnovers and turnovers. Yeah. I'm like, damn, man, that that must have been rough. Um, yeah, but that, like, that's my point, though. You would want to know if Matt Corral is going to be an outright bust and if he has the kind of tools that you want from that position. You would want to know sooner rather than later. And like Len has said, like I've said, like so many have said, we might not even get many opportunities to see Matt Corral if we don't give him some of those chances to do it this year. So. All right, let's yeah, go man. on to the next goal. Hey everybody. It's him. I am tired of everybody <laughs> saying the next big thing is the best thing. Yep. Look, we have all the pieces. It may not be for the future unless Corral works out, but we have the best O-line going. We have a pretty proven offensive coordinator now Mm -hmm. that's an NFL coordinator, not the LSU guy from 
the past couple of years that really was shit and very boring in its play calls. I believe that we will improve this year. I don't believe Rule is the coach we need. I really think we need somebody else. But, you know, Tepper has a ego and refuses to get rid of Rule because he said Rule's my guy and he doesn't want people to go, you know what, you're an ass hat. But anyways, I think we're going to do fairly well this year, at least seven. I don't think more than eight or nine, but I think we're actually going to improve, and hopefully we develop Corral and go on into the future. Anyways, keep pounding. Have a good one. Keep pounding. Uh, I mean, look, that that seems reasonable. Again, it's kind of like we said earlier. However many wins you think the Panthers are good for this year, it's based on a lot of unknowns, you know? We really don't know what our defensive line is going to look like, minus Hassan Reddick. Our linebacking core has a lot of new players and new pieces on it that are very unproven. Um, We still don't truly know who C.J. Henderson is going to be for us. Um, You know, where is Dante Jackson going to line up? Is he going to be an inside corner this year, or are they going to put him on the outside? That's another big question, too. And then that's just the defense, man. I mean, you know, so whatever you think of our football team, it's based on a lot of unknowns. Now, the people that are saying that we're going to be a bad football team – People like G-Baby, people like Brad on the Friday free-for-all, they all point to people like Matt Rule and our coaching Which staff. Which is reasonable. And, yeah. And they're yeah, saying that that's an unreasonable thing to say right. that our coaching staff is not an asset. For sure. And I don't it's blame not like we have stability. It. You know? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of uncertainty. Tell me where there is certainty on this team. I think there's certainty that David Tepper is rich as fuck. That's it, I guess. That's pretty much I mean, it. that is it. Is like um the defense could be, you know, the defense over impressed last year in the beginning. And then, you know, it, but like we don't we we're sitting here arguing about a quarterback potentially making us so much better that's not even on the team. Yeah, man. You know, is that is like um nothing is certain about this team. The only thing is that is certain is that it, the offensive line can't be worse than it was last year. Yes, that's, like to me is like the only certainty there that exists, barring um, like the worst injuries in the world, right? Right, befalling our O line. I mean, all of literally every free agent signing that we made on the offensive line with Corbett and Bozeman were big time signings from big time teams with big time offensive lines, and then you draft what uh, a player in, in Kevin Kwanu who. Many people had not just as the best offensive lineman in the draft, but the best player in the draft, period. Right. Uh, according you, to many respectable people. So there's not even certainty around our best player. Christian McCaffrey, no, can't yeah. stay healthy. You know, I mean, like, there's not one piece that has zero questions around it. 
Name me one piece that has zero questions. I feel like cornerback, other than like the health of JC Horn, but I feel like the cornerback. Dante stays hurt too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think our secondary is better than it's been in a while. Like, you know what I'm saying? I think Carolina. Does CJ Henderson love football? You know? Right. I think I mean, he's going to break I, out this year, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I like – I mean, I'm rooting for him. I think our secondary has probably been better under Matt Rule than it has been at any point that I can remember. Except for maybe like – twenty, you know what I mean? 2015, you had Kirk Coleman and like overperformed. You had these kind of peanut Tillman, these, like, these guys that came around, and maybe that was the last time. I can't remember a time where – we were like our best asset was our secondary. But right now I would say I have, I would be more confident in our secondary than I would be on our defensive front. Right. But here's the thing. like, And that's not a Panther thing to say is usually it's like, we're trying to win with our front seven, the four up front, the three linebackers. And then we make do with guys in the backfield. We're building this team. The I don't, I don't know if we're building the team the other way, but it's built the other way. Right now is that it seems like the secondary is the at least on paper seems to be the most talented bunch. There's some talent there on the defensive front, but not sure entirely. It's a lot on Darren Brown and Brian Burns to really be yeah. dominant. Well, that's sort of, go ahead. Well, here's what I say. I mean, like, yeah, there to your question, there is a lot of uncertainty on this team. But I'll tell you what, and the optimism comes with this, we have a lot of damn potential. Sure. sure like, sure. a yeah. lot of damn potential. And well, that is, on I think, the bottom. Right. And, and so... one way. Right, right. Well, I mean, here's the thing, is, like, you have so many of these guys who have the potential to come out and just blow things off, blow the doors off the barn, right? Uh, like, if Derek Brown could come out here and have a, just a, a amazing season now that he is going to be considered one of the veterans on this team right um even though he's on his rookie contract um brian burns got that for not being mentally focused last year right right well and and, and like i mean you you look at the the defense and the additions there i mean uh and then you switch over to the offense the offensive line and and then the fact that we've got a couple of studs at, at running back i mean not just christian mccaffrey i think that we should be excited about the additions we have with uh chuba hubbard and then uh uh, what's yeah, Foreman, and yeah. then uh, you know, wide receivers. I am honestly really excited about what Terrace Marshall is going to do this year. Like, I am, I am thoroughly I am excited too. about him because I do think that he has a, a great potential on this. Um, you know, and, and and with that, if we can get some attention off of DJ Moore, DJ Moore may be more of a threat in the red zone. Um, but Terrace yeah. Marshall is going to be that guy in the red zone. He's got the 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 height. He's got the He's got the build. I think we've got the wide receiver core that we always wanted. We have a speedster. We have a guy who's great at breaking tackles. And we have that big, tall, lanky, you know, uh, wide receiver who's going to be able to get those uh, 50-50 balls in the back corner of the end zone, right? I think there's so much potential. The biggest question mark beyond all of this is the quarterback play. And if, if, again, big ifs, Sam Darnold, or even Matt Corral can find a way to turn it on. Like, guys, there's a lot to be excited about with this team. I cannot get excited about Chuba Hubbard. I cannot get a Chuba anymore. 
Look at this pick. Am I the only person that this lip snarl is just like, what is going on, Chuba? You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, 30 still belongs to Cameron Artis Payne, doesn't it? <laughs> Damn right. Retire that jersey. <laughs> honey. Retire uh, the that greatest jersey. Panther player who never was. Most underrated Panther. Most underrated Panther. We're going to get to those in just a second. The calls are coming through, though, so we got to stick with them. 252-228-1598. What is up, C3? It's Anthony. You are oh, bad thing. calling like every week. Good now. name. I was on the Friday free-for-all last Friday. Nice. Yes, sir. Talking the shit with Cody about how Baker Mayfield is most likely going to be a Carolina Panther. And, man, I have no nothing to say, but... It's going to happen. And everyone that thinks Sam Darnold is going to save Matt Rule's job is just asking for a two-win season. That's all I got to say, folks. Keep pounding. Keep pounding. But interestingly, Sam Darnold's still leading the poll. (laughs) 30 It's close. It's tightened up. Baker Mayfield is 1% behind Sam Darnold. 153 votes right now in the poll. How about that? 153 votes. Uh, guys, smash those What was the exact up. question again? How was it worded? Uh, who, who would, would uh, the 2022 Carolina Panthers be better with? Jimmy what? G, Baker Mayfield, or Sam Darnold? Well, that's oh. such a, like, here's the thing. That's what I said. Tony basically made people vote for Sam Darnold, and I love it, dude. No, no. Like, the thing is, is like, the reality is, is like you have to have the context behind it. Like, yes, I think Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than Sam Darnold. Do I think it's that much of a difference? No. Right. Do I think that it's, you know, like somebody had said to the caller, it said, does it go? Do we get excited about the idea of a nine win season and risk giving up some some draft picks for it? No, I don't think we do. Like, that's the opposite. Like, honestly, we're better off going with Sam Darnold with a worse record than we are going with him. So I feel like, like I, I, I don't like the that poll. question, Joni. I feel like I should end the poll right now as Mayfield and Darnold are tied. No, I think this is I'm asking this on a one year basis. Next year, this year, who will we be better with at the helm? I think that's a no context needed question. No, that's a vacuum question because it would take something to get uh to oh, get Oh, Baker Mayfield just Baker won Mayfield. because of you. Thirty six. I should have closed the poll right when they were tied. I'm just no, saying we gotta let we gotta let every voice be heard, man. That's what this right. podcast is about, you know. Let's go to the next call. Hey, this is White Chocolate Expresso from Charleston. I just say that I'm also on the fuck Baker Mayfield bandwagon. Yeah, let's go. So, uh, this is what I want. This is what I want to see on the field. I want to see hope, or I want to see nostalgia, which means I want to see Matt Corral, or I want to see Cam Newton. Because Baker and Sam ain't giving me no hope, and they don't give me no nostalgia. And in the end of the day, those are two things you need to enjoy a football game. You need some nostalgia from the old days, and you need some hope. That's my two cents, Cody. All right, man. Nostalgia. I cut him off. He was probably trying to make a joke about me. I didn't cut him off. It just ended on its own. No, I said it cut him off. Yeah. Uh I mean, he's not wrong, man. Like, I think that represents a large portion of the fan base. The problem is, and we can admit this, we've always been able to admit this, that the fan base has always been very divided on Cam Newton. And 
it's more divided on Cam Newton now more than ever. Right. Because oh, of no, the fact. I don't think so. I don't even think it's close to him. No, Cam like, was most divisive when he was good. There was still a group. No, but of, I'm saying you're like you're part of the reason why I say that, Tony. It's people like you that have always been diehard Cam yeah. Newton supporters that are just like, nah, man, this has run its course and we yep. need to move on to something different. And I think there's a lot of people that echo those same sentiments now too. And so that's why I'm saying it it muddies the water even more. And it also goes back to that thing that we've just been talking about here, that so much of it is based on unknowns. Like if Cam Newton, if we sign Cam Newton, which by the way, apparently the door is still not shut on that. They have not Bullshit. I know take it for take it for what you will. Um, but if we did bring in Cam Newton, even that is dependent because we're hoping that with enough time and enough, you know, uh effort learning the playbook and preseason and all this right. stuff, that we would be able to see a market better Cam Newton than the Cam Newton that we've seen on the field the past two years, which the past two years, admittedly, he has not looked great, even though he has not had a great situation. Both of those things are true. So even still, like that's not giving a ton of hope to anyone because, again, like like pardon me, white chocolate espresso, like he says, it's either one or the other, man. It's either you're hoping in something that you don't necessarily have tangible proof of, and that's Matt Corral being a good player right or you have that nostalgia feeling like oh man maybe with the improvements on the offensive line with the weapons that we have maybe cam newton has a little bit left in him and there's no proof of that either so yeah i don't need it uh anita is the I, i want cam to live in my memory um like the cam i remember um, I right. have been able to, um, I've been, I didn't even watch Cam last year. I mean, I did like, I mean, I watched the games and stuff, but right. I was able to like shield that from my memory of Cam. Um, over. yeah, like, uh, so I, I remember Cam for what I re- like my hero Cam and I don't want to remember him like anything else. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, next call. Hey guys, it's Chuck from Elizabeth City, aka Carolina Sports Guy. You know, guys, maybe it's just me. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of dull on the inside. And I know as the season starts and training camp starts, there's always that. It's like Christmas. You know, you have an optimism in the air, and if we can win a couple games like we did last year to start the season, you know, you've always got that ray of optimism because it's just like the year we went 15 and one and went to the Super Bowl. We didn't have our expectations because Benjamin got hurt in training camp that we were going to start out 14 and 0. Uh, we, we just, you just never know where you're going to be. Um, now in saying that, it just seems like ever since Tepper's bought the team, and I'm not blaming them, but I really just feel like it, Rivera and Honey went a downward spiral. And we had Andrews Durellis. And of course, you know, Rule comes in, he was a hot hire and he hadn't been that. But it just seems like we just, thought we were going to get better and we don't we're just treading water and until these Carolina Panthers and I'm on board with it I'm, I do or die I'm a Panther fan through and through I don't give up on this team but we need a middle linebacker or quarterback play we keep turning over rocks and we don't know what we're going to do but until our Carolina Panthers 
can be as consistent and in the winning circle like this C3 podcast, folks. Ooh, we are Thumbs up. Hit the like button, subscribe. You guys are here every Tuesday night. Cody, you're rocking every Friday. Tony, you're putting out little blurbs left and right. Until this franchise can be on a winding ascension and always coming through once a week, just like this awesome podcast does. We're really going to be stumbling and bumbling. This podcast is a winner. And I just want to let you know, all the other 31 teams wish they had a podcast. It's yeah. Great. Man. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Chuck, you're gonna make us he's blush, right. man. But he's right. Is that that's what we that we need week in and week out? You know what I mean? I was gonna say challenge the the Panthers need to buy us. That's what the Carolina I'm Panthers saying. need to buy us and give us complete access, but also complete autonomy. Um, <laughs> we're more consistent than their. We're more consistent than they are. Than their yeah. podcast media. They don't I mean, even that's have official. A... I mean, you can yeah. consult Google on that, and it will tell you the same thing. I'd like to say that we're the number one rated podcast in North America for the Carolina Panthers because we had a friend that lived in Canada, Google, who the number one Panthers podcast, we or just Panthers podcast, we came up first. So I'm like, man, North America, the world, whatever it is. But he's right. It is. We might not be the Run biggest. You might not think we're the best, but we are consistent, dude. Going into our 10th season, have not missed a week. And the Panthers have missed a week in the media podcasting area and on the field. He is absolutely right about that. Um, So thank you that. Thank you for that shout out. Um, And that's true. It's true. Is that that's what we want. We want a team that brings some consistency. um, And that really is kind of the fear at to me with the coaching staff. Like, that's why I am. I'm going into this season. With like house, it's house money for me. You know, is that if it's bad, I can understand why it's bad. If it's good, if it's great, like, and I say great is like nine, eight, nine wins. That's great to me. If we get to there, then I get to be happy. If we're five, six wins, then it's kind of what I expect. We're playing with house right. money, and that is okay. Everything is new. The whole coaching staff is new, other than Matt Rule and Phil Snow. Um, they could be on their way out. I don't know. I have I have no expectations. I wouldn't call them low expectations either. I would just say I don't have any real expectations. I'm just gonna let it pan out. Kind of see where we're at with this coaching, you know, because if we go and win, we go and get a positive. If we double our win total, then we could probably expect Matt Rule coming back and McAdoo and them coming back. Like, I mean, if we double our win total, you're bringing a lot of these coaching pieces back. Hey. If you go, you know, yeah, go so I'm we're playing with house money, in my opinion, is I don't have any expectation, and that is not being pessimistic either. Well, right. so, and I think this is true, and CK, you know. Tell me what you think about this, man. Like, us Panthers, we're a beaten and battered people. Like, us Panther fans, we've been through a lot, man. 
that 2015 season truly came out of nowhere and it gave us a glimpse into a universe where the Carolina Panthers are one of the most dominant teams in football. And it gave us a vision that the Carolina Panthers could be that and they can continuously be that. And every year, especially the past few years, we start out on a roll and we look good. And then here comes the crumbling, man. Everything goes bad. It goes south really fast. And, man, when it rains, it pours. Now we're dealing with this Rock Hill situation. Now we're dealing with this terrible quarterback situation. No one likes Matt Rule. Everyone thinks that he's a lame duck head coach. There are so many unknowns. It's like I don't blame Chuck or anyone for that matter for not having a lot of excitement and a lot of high expectations about this season out ahead of us just because this team has not given us a lot to be hopeful about and a lot to actually look forward to. So I certainly blame no one. Now, I want to say one more thing before we move on. One shout-out to Chuck. Brother, you know we love you, man. You're a diehard C3 fan, always rocking with us. There's a hundred and thirty Carolina people. Panther fan too. By oh the way. yeah, Carolina, for sure. Hurricanes, man. the whole deal. Dude, Chuck from Elizabeth City is the man. There's a hundred and thirteen people watching us right now. We're at around three thousand six hundred some odd subscribers. I want to set a goal for us to reach four thousand subscribers by the start of the two thousand twenty three. NFL season. Let's go. And look, that's on each and every one of you now. Tell a friend, hit the like button, hit the subscribe, do whatever you can to help grow the C3 Panthers podcast, man. Tell a friend. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitter. But we're also on audio. You can listen to us. I'm going to be uploading the Friday format. Uh, to the audio version as well. Hit that like, hit that subscribe. Be a friend, tell a friend, man. We're growing this C3 Nation. And one of the things that sets this channel apart is that we're fan-driven. We want to hear from you in our cat calls. We want to hear from you on the Friday free-for-all. This is your show, man. You're a part of this. We do it for y'all through the good times and the bad. C3, baby, you already know what it is. Tell me what we it, got up next, man. It's all been about building a community. Um, is right. I've never wanted this show to be uh, us talking to people, like as in telling them what to think and what to feel and what to but Because I've always said I'm not a football expert. I'm an expert football fan. Right. <laughs> I like that. You yeah. know, it's like I, I, mean, I only use the eye test. I have reaction like I'm emotional. I love players. I love certain guys. I hate, you know what I mean? Like I latch on to certain things and like I, I'm, I'm a, I want to just be a fan and I want other people to help educate me. So I don't want this me talking to the people, to the listeners and telling them what's right and what's wrong. I want them helping me be a better fan each and every week That's or, right. or continue to grow my fandom. I've always said this too, is like, I like to think of this, this podcast is, us riding in the car together to and from the game. Hey, we're riding. You know, 
like is that when you ride to the game, you're talking about the season, you're talking about what's going to happen this week, you're going to talk about this, and then when you're riding away from the game, you're either hype about a win or you're you're you know about a loss. So yeah, that challenge is out there. Help us grow. Help us get to the subscribers that we know are out there that are wanting to be part of this community. We're going to get to four thousand by the beginning of the season. We're going to get to five thousand by the end of the season. And all of a sudden, we're going to be taking over. Uh, Let's go. Jump in the Discord. Share the podcast on Spotify. Yeah, and man, I'm telling you, just tag us on that, man. Tag us on Twitter and say, look, like, look, this is the podcast I'm listening to. These guys are fools. These guys are smart. These guys are fanatics. Whatever. Just share it. That's it. One like, I can't tell you. Look, you can donate. We can beg you for money. But what all we're we, doing is begging you for a share. That's yeah, it. That's what I'm begging. Hey, you listen, for. you 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 help us grow this thing. We don't need money from you guys. We would need money from advertisers. We would need money from people yeah. that are you know that's trying right. to have you guys as customers. Uh, and uh, you know that's the thing that I think is uh, going to be driving uh, hopefully the future for this. But um, the biggest thing, if you tag us on anything, I think the biggest thing is also putting in the Carolina Panthers because I mean we need to get that visibility out there as well. They need to see that we are a legit, uh, you know, presence in the Panthers uh, community. Uh, there's not many people that you're going to reach out to that are podcast listeners or anything that don't know of C3. And so that's where we've got to, you know, we've got to kind of take that market share um, and, uh, and, and, and run with it. So, and that all comes with you guys, uh, you know, constantly telling your friends, any, any, you know, again, it's lonely being a Panthers fan if you're not in North Carolina or South Carolina. I know that all too well as I'm in Virginia, uh, and uh, I know I'm not tremendously far away from the 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 right. The right. Stadium, You're not living in but, Kansas or something. But we all know one or oh, two people that might be Panthers fans, or maybe somebody who's just really on the edge of saying, you know, maybe I need to find some uh, a team that I'm I'm interested in. Well, the reality is, is we're all looking for a community. Uh, I think we're all looking for a group right. of people that have, uh, you know, something to be excited about something to be, uh, you know, engaged with on a weekly basis and have consistency. And there's no other show out there that's been more consistent than C3 for as long as it's been consistent. Every Tuesday night, every Friday night, uh, and occasionally during the season, maybe a couple of snippets here and there to try to get yeah. you guys some content to watch throughout post the time. Game. The post game has been rocking. That's the bread and butter during the season. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, oh, uh, let's yeah. go. I want to do some nostalgia stuff instead of just only talking about baker baker we uh and this is was wondering this if christian mccaffrey retired today would he be considered the best panthers running back in history and i'm gonna pull up some stats in panthers history you mean yeah like as the best one that we've ever had to do it in the black and blue you know um because he did have the 2000, 2000, I mean, the 2000, the 1000, 1000 season. Like, that is arguably the best season. By, I mean, it is the best season by a running back. Um, let me see if I can pull up his stats. Who would you say is this? It's between who else? All right. So, Christian McCaffrey has played one, two, three, four, five. He's played five years, only played 52 games. He started 52 games. He's rushed for. 3,587 yards. He's had 30 rushing touchdowns here. I'm going to share. I might as well just share this. Share screen. 
All right. So here are Christian McCaffrey's stats and pro football reference is um, he's had 30 rushing touchdowns, 3,500. Let's just say we'll round up to say 3,600 yards rushing. Uh, his longest rushing touchdowns, 80, or longest rush was 84 yards. He's had, here's where he's like really pretty dominant, is 357 receptions in five years, 3,000 receiving yards, 17 receiving touchdowns. That's pretty big time right there. So he's only played, for, and then that uh, one season was the Pro Bowl, All Pro, first team, All AP, All Pro. 2017 where he had the 1300 rushing yards and the thousand just got it thousand 1005 receiving yards who would be the next guy if you were going to do it to me i think it's d'angelo williams is like the next probably i know people don't want to say hear that um um so ck i'm gonna let you go first i'm gonna put the poll up uh i'm gonna I, i so i just ended the last poll Baker Mayfield came out on top with 37% of the vote with over 170 votes. So, I mean, just by the narrowest of margin, Baker Mayfield uh, popped that out. But I'm going to put up a running back poll. Go ahead, CK. Um, yeah, it's it's such a tough question. I I don't think you can put him as the greatest running back. Is he the greatest dual threat? Yes. But from a running as a pure running back, it's it's gotta be D'Angelo. Or I mean, there's an argument for Steven Davis. Well, no, I mean, but the Steven Davis's real years were in Washington. You know, I mean, he had like one or two years with I mean, two years with the Panthers. We'll look up his stats here. Um, I think so. Okay, so you're saying I think D'Angelo's a head and shoulders ahead of Stephen Davis in Carolina. Now, now to say that D'Angelo is a better running back than Stephen Davis, but I'm just saying in the black right, and right. blue, in what we what we've experienced. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Here is uh, D'Angelo's stats: nine years with the Panthers, he started 82 games. He had 6,800 rushing yards. He had four. How many years was he with the Panthers? Nine. Uh, that's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good from 06. It's comparable though to to Christian though. His he's had he had 46 rushing touchdowns. Mm. Uh his longest rush so Chris McCaffrey does right now hold the record for the longest rushing touchdown in Panthers history, I believe. 84 cuz D'Angelo had it before. I mean, we're going to look through it. 77 yard long. Um he had only 1600 yards receiving. And seven receiving touchdowns. I don't know. This is tough. This is tough because longevity, D'Angelo. D'Angelo was more of a pure. And this is actually kind of strange to me, to be honest, is D'Angelo. Why wasn't he more of a dual threat running back? He had the makeup to be it. Did we just not use him like that? Can I make the case that both of those men prevented the other from being the true all-around running back that they were probably like Jonathan both, Stewart that yeah, yeah Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams like they were probably both capable right. of more 
than they were asked to do just because they were that thunder and lightning combo. And by the way, what a combo it was. I mean, you know, uh, everybody remembers Herney paying Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. At the time, people loved that, you know, great football players. Um, when it comes to Jonathan Stewart, and again, I know I'm just biased because, you know, he was a part of some of my favorite Panther teams ever. But I, I feel like Jonathan Stewart just doesn't get enough love. I mean, I'm not even saying that he's necessarily ahead of Christian because Christian no, did have you're a very wrong. legendary I'm going to push back season. on this. Wait till you see his numbers. But, but also another, but, uh, another thing that you're not mentioning, oh, Tony, is that never mind. Is Hold that, on. Jonathan but, uh, Stewart and, might be the best. And but Tony, another thing that you're not even mentioning, regardless of what those numbers are, just about every year he missed like one or two, maybe even three games due to injuries. Like Jonathan Stewart dealt with a lot of injuries. However, so, yeah. I, however, when he was on the field, I feel like Jonathan Stewart was just a beast, man. He was always driving. Uh, he was. I think underrated as a pass catcher. It was never something that we did with him very much, but I felt like he was underrated at that. Um, and he was just powerful, man. And he had some fantastic plays that were, you know, pivotal for those 2014 and 2015 teams, respectively. All so, right, Mr. Um, I was looking at his rushing attempts when I was thinking, I was like, God, man, he's not even close to D'Angelo, but this is crazy. I'm surprised by this is that Jonathan Stewart had more rushing yards in the black and blue than D'Angelo Williams. How many seasons? 10. So he had one more season. How many more? But what's his, what's he the had, oh, how many more games? How about this? Ooh, but he just he played. Like, do you remember it was like his final season that he played? that he finally broke that record of the most rushing yards. Yeah, but D'Angelo started 82 games for the Carolina Panthers. That's crazy. He was explosive, man. Yeah, but uh, Stewart only started 64. And he had he has more yards? He had. All right, so D'Angelo Williams started uh, 82 games. He had 1,432 rushing attempts. And he had 6,800 rushing yards. Jonathan Stewart started 64 games, had 1,700 rushing attempts. So he had a lot more rushing attempts. Wow. What's the uh, yards per attempt? attempt? 4.3 for Jonathan Stewart, 4.8 for D'Angelo. D'Angelo was a home run hitter. Yeah. Um, 7,300 yards for Jonathan Stewart and 51 touchdowns, um, 6,800 yards and 46 touchdowns for, I I think Jonathan Stewart right now, Jonathan Stewart, uh, here's the thing. It only had one. How does this possible? How did he get so many yards? He only had one many yards. He only had one 1,000-yard season. It was all injuries, though, man. I know, but D'Angelo had one. D'Angelo had a 1,500-yard season. That's awesome. He would have – how many rushing yards did he have? Only 121. 
2008, D'Angelo was balling. 2009, D'Angelo was balling. Jonathan Stewart only had 2009 where he was like crushed, crushed. I'm surprised. I'm just surprised. He was just always in that 800 range. He had three years, 14, 15, 16, saved his career. Yeah, and what, what I career. what I would say, I mean, I think 2000, what was it, 2013, he got hurt. He only had a few games in, right? It started in 11. He only started, oh, wait, he gave, yeah, 2012, he had nine games he played. 2013, he played six. And then, so, and then uh, if, if you look at that, I feel like you see, uh, uh, you know, obviously, a, I think a trend. He's always been that. I think he also benefited heavily from having a run first type of offense for the majority of Cam Newton's career here. And yeah. that uh, play in the uh, in the, you know, I guess, read option that we would run. And, and, and so I think he got the benefit of that. Um, but I also think that uh, that we didn't have. Steve Smith on the team anymore in those years. So right. it was a lot easier for it to be a, a Jonathan Stewart. Like we didn't, I mean, outside of, you know, maybe a go-to in Kelvin Benjamin, we didn't really have a go-to guy um, in the, in the offense that was going to be like the guy. Yeah. D'Angelo never got the, or he didn't have a bunch of years where it was just him. Jonathan Stewart right. had three years where it was just him and Cam. Um, I'm going to, Let's, so let's answer the question then, because I'm going to vote that if Christian McCaffrey retired today, I'm going to say yes. Christian? I'm going to say that his stats would warrant him as he's already had, uh, he's well, it's because his receiving yards are so insane. And what I just want to say is this, is the only reason I'm going to say this is that if we're going to fight about the longevity of a career, first of all, Jonathan Stewart's career was riddled by injury too. So sure. it's not like, you know, is that Christian McCaffrey's career is not over, but I'm going to say this is that like Bo Jackson was a better running back than D'Angelo Williams. And I feel like maybe is this, is that if he retired today, it would be short. It would be short. He wouldn't be the statistically the best running back in Panthers history but I think he would have been the best running back we ever saw on the field in Panthers history at one moment. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey Um, underrated running back for me is Deshaun Foster had the fumbles a little bit, had the little buttery fingers at one point. Yeah. Um, So that's where Um, I'm at. What are you guys thinking? Would you, if Christian McCaffrey retires today, who goes down as the best Panthers running back in history? So real quick, uh, before I give my answer here, shout out to Dan Floyd, man, watching us from across the pond over there in the UK. He says it's almost 4 a.m. there. Hey, man, you're the type of fan that we do this for, man. Yeah, Uh, yeah, man, especially people over in the UK don't have a lot of Panther content. So have a good night, brother. Um, And, yeah, man, if we're going to talk about all-time Panthers running backs, like it's a toss-up for me, man, because on one hand, McCaffrey had one of the best seasons that a running back has literally ever had in that one year that that he went him and Chris Johnson. uh, Chris Johnson had a 2000 yard season. Yeah. Didn't Marshall Falk? Um, Maybe. um, I think. Well, I'll I'll look it up. Keep going. Yeah. One of the it was either Tomlinson or Marshall Falk. 
uh, did that at one point too. And again, when you're being compared to those dudes, like, come on, man, Christian McCaffrey is incredible. Nobody is denying the talent. And when Christian is at his best, I do think that he is the best version of an all-around running back that we ever had. I mean, say what you want about injuries, but Christian has proven that he is very successful running in between the tackles. And that's something that not a lot of people, when he was coming into the NFL, a lot of draft nicks said that was going to be a problem for him. And uh, by the way, I didn't even, before we drafted Christian McCaffrey, and I know you were on the Fournette train too, I, I, I admit I missed. I wanted Fournette. I didn't want Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. I thought the same thing. I didn't think it was going to be able to hold up between the tackles. Well, there is um, an argument right now. He's been. Yeah, but you've even made the point, Tony, that those injuries that Christian sustained, they weren't in between the tackles. Yeah. They were when he was bouncing plays to the outside. So even that's not really a fair comparison to say that his, his injuries have shown that he can't do it. Um, but then I, I keep on going back to Jonathan Stewart and how he's the all-time rushing leader for the Panthers at the running back position. Uh, he played in the Super Bowl for us. He's been to different playoff runs as a Carolina Panther um, in you know, 2013, 14, 15. Um, and, I mean, and he's really done a lot for us. And by the way, uh, if I remember correctly, in Super Bowl 50, Jonathan Stewart scored the only touchdown that the Panthers scored in that entire game. So I think that also bears mentioning and bringing up in this conversation as well. Um, I'd maintain Jonathan You know, Stewart he doesn't even have the most credit. rushing yards in a season for a Panthers running back. I, yeah, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Angelo has it at 1,500. Right, right. Yeah. But total yards McCaffrey has. But here's the thing. When we go to 2,000-yard club, which it is misleading for me to even put him in that club because there's only eight people that have rushed for 2,000 yards. There have been eight, like, rushing. O.J. Simpson had 2,003 yards on in 14 games. That's insane. On 332 attempts. Eric that Dickerson. Is, that's yeah. pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, uh, he did it on the least amount of attempts and the least amount of games, O.J. Simpson. Like, he really had the best season ever. 14 games, 332 attempts. Here, I'll show this. I might as well just Man, show he was Man, he was a real killer, wasn't he? Um, <laughs> a little low-hanging <laughs> fruit there. Um, but, um, I'm here every kind of. This is cool. Too. I mean, Dickerson, yeah. Eric Dickerson had 2,100 yards. Barry Sanderson had 2,000 yards rushing. Terrell Davis had uh, 2,000 yards. Jamal Lewis, Chris Johnson. Chris Johnson, ECU Pirate, baby. Uh, Adrian Peterson and Derrick Henry, the only people that have actually just, like, been traditional running backs uh, in that. So that's good. Man, man. So you're going Jonathan Stewart? I do. is. God, I might have I to change the so. D'Angelo. Good God, I don't know. And, and by the so, okay. says and Christian the, McCaffrey, 45% of people say Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, uh, 53 votes, 45% says Christian McCaffrey. D'Angelo Williams at 23. Jonathan Stewart at 32. I mean, look, it's like 
I think if we're talking most talent, it's hands down Christian McCaffrey. Right. Agreed. Hands down, not even close. But the, uh, I think just yeah. to honor my, my 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 elders and the people that made this team, the team I love, I, I'm going to go Jace too, man. Okay. Um, PK? If he retired today... See, this is similar to the argument that you could have about Luke, right? Even Luke is more accomplished, I can say that, but like the argument that is Luke the greatest linebacker, but like reality is he did also end his career early, right? Um, I think Luke is hands down. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, like that's, that's where I'm talking about the argument of, of like, can we really use his tenure as the as a as a as a downside to this argument? I think I've got I feel like I gotta go D'Angelo. Like he yeah. just passes the eye test. Like when you watch the film, so does Christian McCaffrey, but D'Angelo Williams did it longer so far. Um and uh and yeah, I, I I've gotta go. I gotta go D Will. D'Angelo has me, something but. like the he's like one of the top five players that have had like seventy five yard plus touchdowns. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's like have four in his career. So he had some home runs, which is crazy. I think Derrick Henry's up there, strangely. Um, all right, so let's go. This is so uh, kind of mixed. It's very difficult. Three different three different answers from all three yeah. of us. I know, Tony said very CMC. Difficult. I said Jace too, and CK said D Will. I need if CMC can get he's got to get if he gets one more Pro Bowl, like if he can do two more one thousand yard seasons, it's a wrap for me. You know, like them, but right. he, you're right. It's like there is an argument. Like, is that is he just had the greatest season, and that the, really is the case. Like, he has yeah. had the greatest running backs, hands greatest, down. But, but here's the thing, guys. Like, here's that the part a that question I, either. I think we all need to kind of keep in mind. He's going into his fifth year. This is his fifth year, or no? Last year was his fifth year. Christian uh, McCaffrey was drafted seventeen. 27, yeah, 1, 2, so 3, 4, 5. He's going five into the sixth season. Six. So, and he's been injured two of those. Is that right? Yeah. Or the three. last two. The last two. Just the last two. Wait. So, how is it? Because he had the two seasons that he didn't have injuries. Or his he started season, his rookie year. His rookie year, 2017. All in out. He started 10 games. He, yeah. So, his rookie year. He started ten games, hundred and seventeen rushing yards for I don't know who who was the running Christian was healthy and good to go. Yeah. It was two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one that he really started having the difficulties with the injuries. <laughs> Um, so he's had three healthy years, and uh, two, and he's had two, two injury, two ones. injured ones. Yeah, man. So I don't know. I mean, a lot of people tend to agree in the chat, like in the next couple of years, we expect well, no. it to hand hands down to be Christian McCaffrey. And obviously we're all hoping for that. Yeah. Like as if he that. doesn't, if he doesn't make a resurgence. Right, like if he doesn't make a comeback, like and have a couple more really thousand yard seasons, he could go down yeah. as one of those 
he's going to go down in history as one of those players that career great player undermined entirely by injury. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? A like lot a Bo, of players. I hate. I don't want to even want to put him in the same as a Bo Jackson because like it's a different type of thing. Bo Jackson had a injury that turned into a degenerative hip. Ah, Bo, right. ja- Bo Jackson fucking was two sport monster. Bo Jackson insane. Um, oh, speaking of this, is I was when I was in vacation on vacation with my family, we were in Helen, Georgia. I saw this guy in the store and I walked up to him recording on Snapchat. He was wearing all Auburn gear. I said, Best player in Auburn history. And I was sitting there thinking, he better say Cam. He better say Cam. And he goes, Bo Jackson. I was like, Great answer. All right. <laughs> You literally said the only other Auburn player <laughs> right. that is acceptable in that situation. Right. I was so expecting Cam. I thought I was right. All right. So how about this? Um, let's go with best play by Panthers quarterback. And this could be favorite play, best play. Um, you've got a couple by Jake DeLome in that 2004 run. He hit Steve Smith. He hits. He has an incredible Super Bowl game where he hits Steve Smith for a big touchdown. Masim Muhammad. These are all iconic moments to the level. There were three, four iconic plays in those playoffs. You had Steve Smith against the Rams where he takes it the 64 yards or whatever it was that I put up on our, our most recent short. Then he hit Steve Smith for a big play, I think, either at the end of the second or to begin the third quarter um, in the Super Bowl. And then the longest touchdown in NFL history still to this day, 84, 85 yards to Masim Muhammad. But then there's one other iconic play. It was not to a wide receiver. That Deshaun Foster run against the Eagles is the most dope thing in the history of the world. Like, if you want to get hyped, this guy busted five tackles in one and a half yards. And felt like he ran 40 yards to get five yards, beat that whole team. So you had those iconic plays. So I think of those, Delum making those big-time throws. I'm going to say this, best play, and I feel like I'm going I'm to let Cody go first because I think I'm going to steal his. So I'll let you go first. Uh, I mean, yeah. So, again, people who know my history know my era of Panthers fandom truly started – with Cam Newton. So, I mean, you know, those plays, I'm sure so many of you, like, how about this? I'm willing to bet that most people probably have a Steve Smith reception in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. That's probably going to be voted voted the highest for them. Right. Um, Dude, Cam Newton has just made so many over the years. That do you have it? I hope so you have beautiful. It. I, hope one. I know which one you're gonna pick. Which one? The Atlanta Falcons one. Is that so not? I, I thought you were talking that, throw. No, I thought you were talking. Oh, it doesn't have to be a throw. Just the best oh, then yeah. Oh, yeah. If if it doesn't have to be a throw, then hands down, there is no better play, in my opinion, in the history of Panthers football, than. Cam Newton dragging the entire it, Atlanta Falcons it, team. The, the, the entire, entire Atlanta Falcons. Literally, it was the a fourth down, I think. Of the Atlanta Falcons defense. The Panthers are, are losing. That's the only game that we lost in 2015. 
Cam Newton proceeded to drag eight different Atlanta Falcons players 10 yards for the first down on a must-have-it fourth down, dude. And I'm sorry, but that is one of the most badass plays that I have ever seen in my entire life. I would be so lucky to ever witness a clip that awesome and that badass in a game ever again. And by the way, a very close runner-up is the first game of the 2015 season when Cam Newton did that somersault over that uh, Houston Texans. Oh, was it against the Houston Texans player? And landed right on his feet. Oh, I was at that Man. game, dude. I was at that game sitting in that end zone. I was at that game sitting in that nice. end zone. Whoop, right at nice. us. I mean, I wasn't in the end zone. I was in the upper, I was in the upper deck. Um, dude, was such a badass, here, man. Um, it really is the best play by a quarterback in NFL and Panther history is automatically going to come from Cam Newton. Like, I'm sorry, sadly, because... Right. Hold on, I'm going to show you guys this. We'll, we'll get demonetized for it, but who cares? Um, let me see. This is another one. So that Atlanta one was be- was great. The one, there was one in Tennessee where he did something. Remember the mom wrote the Where letter. he did the dab and then. Yeah, that yeah. one was pretty dope. But this goes down. This was on. early. This is early in Cam Lore. Just turn against the New off. England right. on Monday Night mm-hmm. Football. Here it goes. Let's start one more time. Takes the snap. Look. Breaks. Look. Up. Up. See you later. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's why Dog <laughs> said he's the best running back in our in our history. Um, but I, I think Cam that was- had some big-time throws, too, that could be in the conversation. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. that's what I was going to. Mine was going to be. Um, well, first, let me set the stage. Uh, it's fourth down. We're driving. We're in the red zone. And J.J. Watt's about to get a sack. And Kyle, Kyle Allen. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to put a Kyle Allen as the best uh, <laughs> play. But that was pretty funny. Um, anyway, it's the one where I can't remember the context behind it. So it wasn't like one of these like super important games. But. Cam Newton, and I know it's that deep ball that we all just like get massive erections over when we think about nowadays. Like he just uncorks the ball all the way to the perfect spot in the back of the end zone where only one person can get it. Ted Ginn drags his toes for a touchdown in the end zone. And it it was was, against Miami. Yeah, it was not like a super important game. Yeah. But my God, did that, is it that like not an uh, just iconic moment for what Cam Newton used to be able to do with that ball, throwing the ball just basically the full length of the field and, and catching somebody just perfectly in stride. It was just so incredible. Um, and something that I think we're all super, um, um here's another Tony, one. If you want to think Tony, you, you mentioned this one earlier too, uh, that, that touchdown to Tengen in the back of the end zone. It was that same Thursday night football where Luke Kikwi suffered that terrible concussion. And we won the game by the narrowest of margins. But from the mid, like from the 45 yard line, Cam just unlooses a bomb 
all the way downfield to the very back of the end zone, and Ted Ginn catches it. Now, upon first review, the official said that it was out of the back of the end zone right. and that it was no good. It was on his fingertips. Like, yeah. it was impossible. It was, like, crazy. They didn't think that he got both of his feet in, but your boy Ted Ginn did, and it was one of the best plays of Cam Newton's career. Absolutely beautiful, man. That was just fantastic. The stuff of legends, man. Like I said, you know, and I, I think that's part of the reason why if the Panthers are actually able to do right by Matt Corral, like we have seen the definition of a player, not or a, a franchise quarterback, not having the team around him to Ooh, be able be to, to, to actually compete and give him a situation to be successful. And, they never did that with Cam Newton. And I, I really do feel like a lot of those years with Cam, we wasted much of his prime. And I, I, I regret that we couldn't do better by him, even though I think it's too late now, you know? I wish we could find that one. All right. Um, so, all right, good stuff. It's easy to, like, those are good plays to remember is that um, you're thinking DeLome and that playoff run. Um, you're thinking Cam Newton in uh, multiple settings, whether running, passing. You know, Cam is our guy. Um, the reason I started these questions, I'll go on uh, Pirate Radio, and um, right now they're in the kind of doldrums too. Is like now baseball's over, and they're and they're doing this for Pirate football, and it's a lot more fun with college football. Who is your best quarterback in history? Who's your most underrated quarterback? So we went through that last year. But if you really look at the Panthers quarterback legend, is really short. You know, it goes Kerry Collins, basically. Kerry Collins, one year with um, Steve Berline, that was good. Then you get Jake DeLome era. I mean, yes, we can sprinkle in some other names, but they're not worth mentioning. I mean, you only have four quarterbacks worth mentioning in our history. And two of them are DeLome and Cam Newton and both took our team to the Super Bowl. That's it. So let's go with this one. Last uh, nostalgia question. We'll pick up some more of these types of questions next. Oh, week. I got one more after this too. Okay, good, good. Um, what is the most underrated defensive player in Panther history? Oh, most underrated defensive player in Panthers history. Oh, man. Like, I feel like I could even go Greg Hardy if it wasn't for how his career ended, you know, being a very bad note. But, do people forget. We were calling Greg Hardy like another Julius Peppers. I mean, I don't know. Oh, he yeah. Rick Hardy had this run, dude, where he was about, he was the most dominant defensive end the in the league. Right, there, the right there. I mean, it was insane. It was insane. Um, I don't know if he was underrated or just went down in flames. Some good names in the chat, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that people are never going to give Gamble, you know, people fit, forget, uh, what was Gamble's for? Chris Gamble. Oh, yeah. oh, Ricky Manning Jr. Is the is a great one. 
This dude had so many important. He had like so many, and this is before your time, Cody. I know, but this guy yeah, had you're gonna mad, have to school me. I don't even know. Mad interceptions on the way. He on our two. Oh, it wasn't just one year. Yeah, he was a DB, and he was a nickel corner. And this dude just had like five or six major picks in that playoff in the playoff run. He was amazing. Um, so we'll do two errors. We'll do the post. 2011 since Cody's here and we'll do a pre where you can't discuss it then. So I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple of names to think about for the pre era. That is one. I don't know if he's underrated, but he's a lot of his great. He went on to play for another team and be very, very good for them too. Chris Jenkins. Chris yeah. Jenkins mm-hmm. was a di- the two players that I think are underrated Carolina Panthers actually signed big deals with other teams. Chris Jenkins and Will Witherspoon are two players that I think are kind of underrated Panthers. Um, so those are mine. Uh, CK, do you have a pre 2011 one you want to throw in there? Um, are we talking about um, if we were to like, are we thinking? underrated currently or underrated in the time that they were playing here oh i'll let you decide i feel like dan morgan at this point in time nobody i mean and it's because you have have the likes of so many good uh linebackers out there now i mean it's hard to remember dan morgan as anything other than uh you know uh, a short-lived uh experience with us but um you know when you have Beeson and you know luke and and thomas davis and Everybody else on that list, it's easy to kind of fall down that uh, that list of 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 you know um, rated appropriately linebackers. But I think currently, not many people think of him as some of the great one of the greatest linebackers in the in the franchise, which he was. Um, I wanted to just point out is that like that's kind of maybe we'll do that next week. Is what's the best um, tandem? Linebacker tandem. Oh, that's such an easy one, though. You think it's Luke and TD? No matter. Yeah, what? it has to be. I don't think there's a competition with it, to be honest. What with do you. you mean? Let me tell you this: is Dude, Luke, I don't I care who came stuff. before my time. The answer is Luke Kingsley and Thomas Davis. No one. I, I don't care who I missed. There's no way anyone comes close to those two, man. And Tony, to, 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 the, to Cody's point, I think. They might be top five in the history of the NFL tandem. They were um, fucking good, man. I want to just, if I could just pull up this, I want to know what the stats, the box score. Hold on. All right. Box score in 2004. Just when you hear the stats of this one, um, of what these players did, what Will Witherspoon. And um, Dan Morgan did. Dan Morgan had uh, 18. He had 11 solo tackles. He had 18 combined tackles and seven assisted and 11 solo tackles. And where was it? I thought it was. I thought they both had over 20. Both of these guys registered over 20 tackles in the Super Bowl. It's insane. For what team? Will Witherspoon and Dan Morgan in oh, the 2004 Super Bowl. Super Bowl, both of them had over 20 tackles in that game. 
Like, I mean, it's yeah. just like these motherfuckers were just flying, dude, and eating. So, uh, D-Lo Blue has a good point. He says, uh, it's Luke and TD, and then Beeson and TD. So, either way, TD yeah. is a part of it. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. Is I think that's kind of underestimating that Will Witherspoon or that Dan Morgan. You know, it's fun. It's interesting. The two, arguably the two best linebackers in Panthers history have both had careers ended shortly. I want to see how many Dan yeah. Morgan, which by the way, Dan Morgan's with our front office. Yeah. Uh, Dan Morgan, let's see how many years he played. What was uh, Luke Keekley eight? Was he only eight seasons? Uh, nine, I think. Nine, Dan Morgan was 01 to 07. No, you're right, it was eight years because we drafted him in 2012, and his last season was 2020. Or, no, Dan Morgan is destroyed by injuries, dude. He didn't play a single season in all 16 games. Well, Luke Kixley, too. Luke Kixley didn't even make it a decade. I don't know, crazy. All right, uh, Damn, what was man, your last crazy. nostalgia? Oh, oh no, we we're gonna do underrated defensive player post twenty eleven. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. You said Greg Hardy would be one. Someone put Star. I, I like uh, Charles Johnson. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to try to get somebody who contributed this team a lot. Peanut Tillman in that two th- in that twenty fifteen run was so important to this team. Would I'll you tell say you, Mario Addison is was underrated? That's yes. a great answer. Yeah. That's a great answer, Mario Addison. Um, because for a long time, Mario Addison was our primary edge rusher for right. a long time. And a lot right. of people say that he definitely outplayed his expectations. He was an undrafted player. He bounced around. He was with the Colts. He came here as um, a pretty, pretty old veteran as well. Like he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't a spring chicken when he came in here and he earned yeah. and he was nice undersized. Contract. He wasn't, you know, he was an undersized. They call him that Joker defensive end, right? Um, so that's a great one. How about this? I don't know if it's necessarily underrated, but I'll say K1 short. And I'll say that just because I think. When you look at that team that went to the Super Bowl, the best part of our offensive line and defensive line was, was the that interior. interior. Yeah. So and on the offensive line, you had Khalil, you had Norwell, and you had Turner. But on the defensive line, that one-two tandem of Star Latulale, man, when Star was able to eat up those double teams, K1 short would absolutely throw dudes off of him, man. He was out there doing legit kung fu. Okay, K1 short, in my opinion, doesn't get enough credit. I see Carson right. one saying Coney Ely. Oh, I love it. But, I mean, yeah, outside of that game. one crazy Super Bowl, how, how about this? I would put Josh Norman before I would put Coney Ely. I, I mean, think I'm going to have to go Kirk Coleman, maybe. Something like that. Oh, that's a great one, too. You know, Kurt doesn't Coleman, get enough credit for uh, how good of a free that, We had, uh, so all the names, that's kind of hard for me in the chat. Like somebody said, Roman Harper. I said, Peanut. Isn't it crazy? Like, no, those guys are Panthers, though. Right. Peanut Tillman's a bear. Roman Harper's a saint. Um, Kurt Coleman is arguably just as much a Panther as he is an Eagle. I'm going to put my answer in Kurt so. 
More so. How about that? Yeah. Coleman is more so a Panther than he is an Eagle. At least him. I can't necessarily speak to the other guys, but I, I mean, he had his most success with the Panthers. All right. What was your nostalgia question, Cody? Um, it's not necessarily nostalgia, but it's just fun. And I would thought that we'd get a lot of good oh, answers. Yeah. Oh, the draft one. Yeah. <clears throat> So my question to you, Tony, to you, CK, yep. to everyone in the chat room, if there was an NFL coaches draft and the Carolina Panthers had the number one pick to draft any current head coach in the NFL, who are you drafting? And I'll go first, man. My answer is Mike Tomlin. This man not only has two Super Bowl rings on his hand, but he's never had a losing season as an NFL head coach. And he has been the coach in one of the hardest divisions in football traditionally in that AFC North. Um, I think Tomlin is incredible. Every time I listen to this man, you hear the wisdom pouring off of him. And it seems like an ultimate motivator too, man. I think a lot of those Steelers would run through a wall for Mike Tomlin, and that's the type of coach uh, that I would love to be with the Carolina Panthers. So, yeah, Tony, CK, everyone in the chat room, put your hey, – you have the number one pick. You're picking for the Panthers. What coach are you picking? Boys, what say you? I have I've got no uh I've got a different answer and no hesitation in saying it. Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan is just dominant with that San Francisco team with not even the best team all around. Like he's always kind of missing something, making a lot out of something. Um and look, look, he uh was a big part of RG three success. He was a giant part of um the Atlanta actually he was the reason the Atlanta Falcons arguably made it to the Super Bowl and did all of that. Uh, he's young. He can do, he can make a, he can be a passing guy. He can be a running guy. He is like the Bill Belichick of the youngins to me. But I mean, I know B- Belichick's a defensive guy. To me, it's Kyle Shanahan. Hmm. That's a good answer, man. I, I thought, I thought I remember you not liking Shanahan. Like one time I, I remember like bringing him up and you were like, oh, no, if it was like us trying to get him, then it would not. No, I would have been. I would have been okay. Uh, the guy I don't like uh, that people say is <laughs> that often reminds people is the dude that's the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders right now. I don't like him. Oh, uh, McDaniel's Josh McDaniel's. Yeah. yeah, that's the guy I don't like. Okay, I don't like Shanahan too because he was great with the Falcons. Yeah. Uh, CK, answer. I gotta use the bathroom real quick. Are we? <clears throat> In the history of the NFL, or just no, all this is all current 32 NFL head coaches active right now. And you get your pick, like you're you're the number one pick. Panthers are picking first. You're picking the head coach for the Carolina Panthers. Who are you picking? It's such a tough one. I know. Listen, man, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. 
Billy yeah, Green? He's, okay, just pedigree. Yeah. Okay. Pedigree, pretty simple. Pretty simple answer. Hey, can I give an honorable mention that I'm surprised more people um, haven't named? And he might not be your first option, but I think you could make a damn good case for this guy as well. Dude, what about Sean McDermott? Yeah, White Chocolate put it put mm-hmm. it as number three, man. Sean McDermott has Panthers history. Yeah, our best defenses that the Panthers have ever had came under Sean McDermott. Oh, whoa, oh, okay. I was thinking of the Cowboys guy for some reason. The no, 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 no. no. Like, I'm just, yeah. So C- CK said Bill that's a Belichick. Good, that's a great answer. Well, well, CK said Bill Belichick. And then I'm like, I'm surprised some people don't aren't more aren't saying McDermott since he has history with the Panthers. The or best defense is like yeah, the only read the only argument against Sean McDermott right now is just not having made it to the mountaintop yet. Right? Uh, like Belichick's been there and been there and been there. Been there. And I know you can argue the 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 Tom Brady argument. Tom Brady wasn't really Tom Brady that like this Tom Brady that we've seen as of the last five or ten, you know, five to ten years until the past five or ten years. So a lot of that was Belichick. Um and he's done it by not having superstars for the most part. Like for the most part, he isn't somebody who pays to get these crazy free agents to come up there. Um and, and he somehow has the ability to a game plan and scheme against every individual team and have his team ready to play every single week right and and you can look at last year i mean the year prior to last year when cam newton was there and and make an argument that he wasn't a good coach but i mean i think even with that you, you can't even make that argument because there was so many unknowns about what was going on with their team they had just lost tom brady um, and you know, let's be real about it. He had to try to plug and play and Cam Newton is not a, a player that he is accustomed to having to game plan with. Um, and so, and then Mac Jones comes their first year and they dominate. Now, did well, they, I wouldn't go so far as to say dominant, but I hear, I think, uh, one they thing made is, the playoffs. yeah, I think, uh, for me, it always comes down to defensive or offensive coach. And there's, to yeah. me, a limitation even with, all right, so Tomlin, Belichick, or, and and McDermott might be creeping into that conversation right now right. of consistently good defensive coaches. Right. I'm trying to think of who else would be a consistently. But also, to, uh, to CK, doesn't age play into this too? Like, I think it should. Yeah. Like, if, if you're picking coaches Because we really right should be now, picking Andy Reid. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. If you're picking Andy Reid and Bill Belichick, you're picking two guys that are probably on the latter end of their career. Whereas you could make the case that Mike Tomlin or Shanahan or McVeigh or whoever, that they could be doing so this for the next, if the, you know, If the argument is, is McDermott would be the young version of that. Right. Yeah, if, if the argument now, if it's shifting to, you know, current, like they're in their current state, I guess my yeah. interpretation of that question is any coach in the history of the NFL, right? Like, it, you know, being able to say, you know, Bill Belichick because of the history. I mean, like, if you're looking at it from that perspective, but if you're talking about, like, somebody who is, like, in their current status that they're currently in, um, I might even go, uh, 
watch him say Lafleur. No, I'm gonna go. Who would you pick? How about this? Would you have? Would you Zach rather? If we... Ooh, well, I mean, that's a young. Wait, 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 is that the Bengals guy? The oh, Bengals that's the guy? Bengals dude. Yeah. Hmm. Hey, that's could funny. I? Uh, how about Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach? Nope, not even close right now. Just because I love to listen to him talk right now, it hasn't. It hasn't turned into like anything that. Guy. I know. I, like I love listening to. Him. I would love listen to I him really like explain like how to like guy. cut grass or whatever. Dude, he's the um, fucking man. How about this? Uh, if you had your choice next year, uh-huh. Matt Rule gets fired, and we have our choice of two two coaches: McVay or um, Kyle Shanahan. Who would you pick? Probably McVay. Really? Because wow. Shanahan is attached to not only the Falcons. But one of the worst blown well, leads in Super Bowl that? history. But that's not the offense that does that. That's the defense. Yeah, they, they were throwing the football when they should have been running the clock out. How many Super and Bowls? And they made Matt Ryan. They made Matt Ryan drop oh, one, back into right? the pocket. No, for not them even. to pin their pin their ears back. Like that, a lot of that has to go on Shanahan. I am totally on the opposite. Is I would take Kyle Shanahan all day long because, like White Chocolate Espresso, my son, my bastard child, says is he's done it with way less talent. Man, they just did it with a super team. That's what the Rams did. They had a super team. They, you know, like come on. Yeah, but the Forty Niners. It's not like they have a bunch of slouches either. They've never had a quarterback. All right. All right. So that's enough of that. That's cool. Like, uh, let's think of some nostalgia questions for next week because the next, like, these are kind of fun to debate and kind of chew some time up. Uh, but it is getting late now and we got to uh, ice some fools up. So I want to encourage everybody before we ice them fools up to subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in, wherever you get your podcast. Go on to Spotify, go on to iTunes and write a review and just say, man, these guys are super consistent, love listening and and being part of this community. Uh, That would really help us uh, climb the rankings there as well as subscribe and share. I cannot tell you how much it means if you just put in one Facebook on your Facebook feed, on your story, on Instagram, on Twitter. Hey, just listen to this podcast last night. I think you guys would like it if you're Panther fans. That is, you would not believe how many people just need to hear about one. It's like piercing through. There's so much noise on the internet, right? There's just so much content. People need to find content that they want. And you can help us reach Panther fans looking for that Panther content. And how about this? It's content that you can be a part of. Yes, yes. You can be in the cat calls. You can be on the Friday free for all and literally come on and talk. You can, hey, by the way, everyone in the chat room, there, I mean, for those that are listening, all the comments are going up on screen as we do the show. So, literally, everyone's opinion is a part of the show. Guys, we're trying to get to 4,000 subscribers before the start of the 2023 season, man. Help us do that. Be a friend, tell a friend. And look, we have people that come back to this podcast that aren't even fans of the Panthers. We, we get Bears fans and, uh, you know, all different kinds of fans that come and hang out, man. So just spread the word, spread the love, tell somebody about the C3 Panthers podcast and help this thing grow past the moon, man. 
pleasing thing. Oh, look at this. Uh, Mr. Lightning 20. I'm going to give you a shout out. He said, AJ McMurphy, sound familiar. Great show. Glad I found it by running into you. Yes, I know you, man. I've met you several times at AJ's. Thank you for tuning in. C3 Panthers podcast where it's at. Now, look, uh, this is the last segment of the show where we ice up somebody. It's our homage to Steve Smith. We tell somebody in the world to ice up, toughen up, to get it together. Everything. This is the one time that we give ourselves latitude to just kind of really step outside of football if we want uh we can do anything i've iced up kid 12 year old kids in oklahoma i've never met uh we've got a lot to discuss uh, you know anything is fair game cody i gotta say this is um the list each week for ice up picks like it's almost to the point of like how do I narrow it down to less than like twelve? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's I wanna there's so I, many. I have to I, I just stumbled across this one on like late. Like I wasn't even looking for an ice up pick at this point. I already had some lined up. This guy's Stephen King. First of all, he is a US Congress fourth and fifth. He's from Iowa. Okay. Um his name is Steve King. I think this guy needs to be kicked out of the party of whatever party. I, I'm sure he's in the. I'm guessing he's a GOP. I mean, he has to be. And I don't care. I mean, I don't even. I'm not even anti-Republican. I don't even care, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, is I feel like he needs to be. The voters need to kick this guy out of politics. And the voters need to do it. His party members. This guy writes this. I mean, I don't even know how you can. I don't even know how you can type this. I spent Juneteenth all day in the hot sun hoeing and pulling weeds. Thinking about what it would have been like to have been a slave. At the end of the day, I thought about what it would be like to be an aborted baby. I got to see the sunrise and sunset. (laughs) Just, just jerking himself. Um, I don't know if there can be. I don't know how you can be so such a big dick. Like it's such a. I don't. I don't. I, this is the reason that uh, Americans believe America is in a decline. This guy right here. This might be the single worst thing i've ever heard that hasn't had to do with like something like over the t- like like where it's so lewd about raping some you know what i'm saying like where it's just like this is vomit this is mental vomit right here yeah um it it just um it is just taking gas i don't even know what to say other than ice up it's the worst thing. I can't even. It's like if anybody votes for this person, I wouldn't even let him walk, like do anything. Like if I saw him sitting in a restaurant, I would leave. Right. Straight like up. Like this is the worst fucking thing I've ever heard. Um, and I would say the worst thing I've ever heard. I've heard a lot of bad things. But this has, first of all, your stupid ass who has been hoeing and pulling weeds well where the fuck were you pulling weeds in your own yard that you fucking own dick face yeah. not for yeah, in your in this mansion no doubt yeah well i don't even care if it's a one-bedroom apartment that you own i don't give a shit if it's nothing if it's a single wild you 
aren't doing you are not owned by person by said persons you have can have property you can have opportunity you can have all of these different things i hate to say this is i'm pro-life but i I don't say i hate to say i am pro-life because i'm a catholic and i love baby i love i don't want people i'm not going to tell people what to do but i'm also uh, i i hope and encourage people to try to 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 love people but this is one of those things right here where it's like man i bet your mama wish she would have had an abortion (laughs) <laughs> that's some messed up shit man this is and the fact i i think it should be reported i think this should be taken down and the fact that it's still just climbing fuck this dude it's the worst thing i've ever heard so this is my ice up this is my ice well, up but, to this guy is i want to go to iowa and kick him in the fucking nuts and to respond to it a little the part of the reasons why it's so disgusting is because it's just pandering yeah like he knows yes. He yep. knows that conservatives yep. like that's right. Think of all oh, we the hate, poor. We hate Juneteenth. Think of all the yeah. by the only way, holidays can be for white people. Like, if it's, it's not about holiday, the white people, it's literally a holiday celebrating the freedom of black people in America. And yet you find a moment to make it about you. Like you literally fulfill every negative white stereotype that there is. Right. Ice up. Um, my ice up pick is Rodden, is Rodden, is Rodden, Rodden. Joe Biden. <laughs> it's not oh, riding that's the problem, it's the stopping. Check it out. He's like, oh, oh. Uh, 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 it just falls right over dude and like people were trying to say that his foot was strapped in and that way when he started to fall he was like oh no fuck it i can't and and just (laughs) fell over man like dude you can't make it up where it's like okay and i feel this is kind of true with trump as well like yeah everybody hates these presidents for whatever reason but at the same time, they provide so much comedy that it's like, dude, it's so embarrassing. But at the same time, it's like we're watching these things happen, and it's our presidents that are embarrassing us the most. Oh, yeah. Trump was My out there God. talking about he's calling Mike Pence. Like, we could ice him up for calling Mike Pence a coward uh, this week for not supporting this. I used to make fun of George Bush when I was young for being poorly spoken. He is mild. You know, like, I know. I would I would bring him back. I would, yeah, like, I mean, I'm like, what was is that? Thinking? When you're saying Here, George Bush I, so much better than you, dude. Can I, uh, can I give you this one, too, though, to add to it? I saw, did you see this one? I thought this was hysterical. No, it hit the full screen. Oh, you haven't seen this? No, I haven't even seen this. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, put, America Dude, is a nation what? that can be defined in a single word. Dude, you can't make that shit nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him America's a nation that can be defined It's to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter what your political affiliations are. 
Like these people are embarrassing. Joe Biden is embarrassing. And the fact that it's just on display for everyone. Oh, how about this? My final thing. Joe Biden went on Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy Kimmel, dude, who thought it was a good idea to let Joe Biden even go on that show in front of like all the people that watch it? But Jimmy Kimmel is like having to finish his sentences for him. It, dude, it's so embarrassing. It's a sad state of affairs. Um, there's no answers, man. Everybody sucks. This is not a politics podcast. Everybody sucks. That's my endorsement. Everybody sucks. To Joe Biden and everyone in all administrations, you all suck. I suck. TK, you got something for us? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I was, uh, I know there was something that you had put out there in the, uh, in the, group chat about the bitcoin you know tumble oh. that has happened and how oh, it's impacted yeah. people um i'm gonna go on the other side of this i'm gonna talk about doge um there was a guy in manhattan who's filed a lawsuit against elon musk because he's lost money over dogecoin his name's keith johnson and the thought is basically that he's saying that there was a racketeering you know pyramid scheme that elon musk drove the price up um, and, and then it just decided to crash it, right? It, which is such a ridiculous thought because cryptocurrency, if you're not aware, is never was never created as investment opportunities, right? It wasn't like an investment, like you're going to turn over turn a profit if you buy Like you're buying it as an alternate form of payment in a lot of ways, currency. right? As a currency, that's the whole point of it. And so the idea that a lawsuit can allege that uh, he he was encouraged to purchase Dogecoin and lost a ton of money. Well, that's not true. That's not true at all. Because if you purchase the Dogecoin, then you have that equal amount of Dogecoin. It's not like you purchased it and somebody stole your Dogecoin, right? The difference is, is yes, the value of the Dogecoin was volatile, and every person on the face of the planet that was a, a you know financial expert would have told you, don't invest in that. It is volatile. It's not something that's a long term investment process. Like, if you're going to do it, just do it for the long term. It's not something that's going to be intended to be like a uh, uh, intended for a financial gain. You know, it's not the whole point of it. A lot of people utilized it that way. I did as well. Um, but I wasn't I'm not going to sue anybody if I were to take a loss. Luckily, I did not. I took a pretty major gain. But for the most part, like mo a lot of these people did lose. And the idea that you're going to sue somebody who's in the public supporting a, uh, a cryptocurrency because you decided to invest in lost money is just asinine. That's like saying, I'm going to sue, uh, you know, I'm going to sue, I don't know, maybe you could talk about the decline in anybody in the stocks right now because their company didn't do well through the process. Like, I'm going to sue uh, Apple because their stock plummeted after their battery stopped working on that one phone a while ago, right? That's It's not a logical approach here. Um, and so if you're somebody who is thinking, because I lost and I because of a decision I made, I'm gonna go blame a billionaire and try to get my money back and then some ice up, son. There probably ice is up. something though to being critical about Elon Musk is for he's starting to get on my nerves. He's starting to get on my nerves, like where it's just like I don't give a shit anymore. But um he does so do you ever watch this stock? Have you ever seen Mad Money yeah. with uh Kramer? Um, they call it the Kramer bump. 
sometimes. And so, like, he'll recommend a stock, and the next day, I just you'll remember John Stewart eviscerating him. Well, you see it go up like 2% the next day. And so, some people have contended, and I don't think he's a, a, a disingenuous guy either, though. But like he'll talk a stock up and he had invested in it two days earlier and then they take the bump and then they're out and you're on the top end. Elon Musk did get in trouble for tweeting some stuff about uh, Tesla. Like the SEC was like, dude, you're right. the CEO, like the stock thing. So if he was invested in Doge and he has that influence, it's kind of like the Reddit, the the Reddit bets, the Wall Street bets, how they could push. Yeah. You know, so but I understand is like, well, hey, first of all, Dogecoin, most risky one of all of them. Right. It was well, actually a joke. And even Elon Musk said it was a joke. Right. Well, the problem is, is like it's not it was never about investing in it for money. Like, that's the part of it. Like these cryptocurrencies. Well, it is, though. Actually, it is. People have used because, it that way, but it was like, not right created now, that way. Start using it until we start using it as a measure of exchange. That's all it is. Right, and that's what he's been trying to do. He actually implemented it as a way to be able to purchase. Like, to be honest, Buy he tried everything he could to try to keep the value up there. Right, and yeah. and problem problem is is that it was majorly driven by the people who own the currency, not by Elon Musk. That's why the price fell. It was because it's- people saw it and sold it, and they were like, "Oh, I'm going to sell." So you can't blame a guy for being supportive of it who is still supportive of it. <laughs> and say that he's uh he was like that part is just doesn't make any sense like a lot of people use that as a moment to invest and i completely get it i did too but the argument that a billionaire made me buy this stock is is one that is is not going to be a lot well, yeah you one. should you need to have you need to be more wise in your investing um and also did you see his transgender daughter is changing her name i know i saw that I, you know yeah, elon, so musk, elon musk this i love this i love when i see and i think the amber heard trial all this is i don't wish people should, but it's like man y'all rich influential famous motherfuckers your lives are just as fucked up as everybody else oh for sure but i also like i get the feeling that elon musk is not an easy person to be in a family with you know what I mean? Well, he is like probably like Rain Man. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I only buy my underwear at Kmart or whatever type thing. All right, right. Uh, ice up to what's his name? Sue anyone? Uh, uh, oh gosh, um, James. That's gonna Wood. be. Uh, let me pull him back up here. Uh, his name is Johnson. Uh, his last name is Johnson. Uh, so that's all that matters. <laughs> Big Dick. Yeah, but his name is. Uh, Keith Johnson, is that what I said? Ice up Keith Johnson. Keith Johnson. Yep, that's what it is. Um, right. Do you guys want uh, to bring up the uh, the amount of money that the the sports figures have lost because they had their contracts in Bitcoin? Oh, man, this is kind of crazy. Uh, well, you know what, though? I don't get it. They're not worried about it. I wouldn't. I've also uh, so heard that this is a little bit misleading, too. When I vote, to yeah, Trevor. because that's just based on when they got it and if they've kept it all in. So Russell Okung would have gotten six point five million. This is not right because he got paid at twenty four thousand. It was worth twenty four thousand. This is not right. He's not lost sixty. This is not an accurate thing. I bet I would. I can Who's remember Russell Okung got paid in Bitcoin. It was worth twenty three thousand Bitcoin, like dollars per Bitcoin, and it's only down to twenty right now. 
Um, but it was up at like 60, though. It was up a ton. So this must be peak to Valley. I didn't realize so many people had gotten paid in Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, it was like, remember, it was all the rage during the uh, pandemic. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, that's the one they're looking at. Uh, but I think this is some ways just saying that these guys, I don't know, is look, you don't lose till you sell. Remember that, folks. You don't lose till you sell. You sell your stocks now and you lost your money, then you lost your money. But you just wait. Like, if you need that money, I understand. Then you got to sell. But, like, my st- little miniature stock account that I got that's, like, been uh, – and I started in 2015 with $2,000. I got it up and then it's down. You know what I mean? Like, but if I sell my stocks, then I lose. But if I just wait, then I win. That's it. That's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com, where every Tuesday night we chop up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Uh, I do want to shout out somebody. I think C-Dog said leave his politics out of his sports podcast. You know, the only people that say that is when they hear a political view that's opposite of theirs. Everybody, no one says that when someone says the same political view as you. And then they're like, not like, oh, leave my, yeah, like, imagine, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so anyways, don't worry, we only do it in the, actually, you know what, I don't even care, man, I'll talk about whatever I want to talk about. <laughs> um, Thank you, Sea Dog. Well, also, we don't, we don't care who you like and who you don't, man. Yeah. Like whoever the hell you want. Hell, man, amen Just to like that. whoever the hell you want. We don't give a shit, truly. You know, unless you like the Saints, get the fuck out of here. Or the Falcons. Yeah, if you like the Saints or the Falcons, fuck off. Later, we don't need you. All right. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. Cody, where can they get after you? Follow me on Twitter at Cody Lack, C O D Y L A C. Um, I'm normally on there just starting shit, making fights, and making people angry. And Uh, he ain't even talking politics. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, yeah, most of it is just football. Uh, so, yeah, man, follow me um, on Twitter. And then uh, at 7 p.m. on Friday, join the Friday Free For All, why don't you? That's your opportunity to be a part of the C3 Panthers podcast. Uh, anyone's allowed to come on. I post the link to the stream yard in the description. So if you want to come on and be a part of the show, you can absolutely do that. Um, and that's it. That's all um, yeah, first you can find me on the socials at Codizzle Allen, uh, pretty much all of them. Um, if you guys want to go subscribe to my Only Panthers fan page, um, that'll be uh, up and <laughs> <laughs> um, Sexy voiceovers yeah, to exactly. porn. <laughs> the, the voice <laughs> that makes them moist, OnlyPanthersFans.com. Um, nice. And uh, we should create that, by the way. And yep. uh, so, uh, yeah, just uh, come uh, shoot me a follow on those uh, Tiki Takis and the uh, Twitters and the Instagrams. Aww, Cody, shit. take us out of here, brother. C3 Nation, until next time, keep pounding. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. 
clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.